Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Josh Stramer, joined in the Soul Check tonight. On my right, Adam Markham. On my left, Sam Cosby. Gentlemen, how are we this evening? Doing well, Josh. Doing very well. So good to be back. Thank you, Adam, on the board and Adam in person. Sam, good to have you back in the show check, my friend. How are you? Thanks, man. It's really good to be back. Um, last time we did, what was it? The linebackers. We did the uh, defensive Excuse ends. Me. Defensive ends. One of them positions, Eddie. You're already man. messing up. <laughs> Go ahead and stop it, Josh. <laughs> I, I got to say, I've missed this. I've been out of the country for a month, and it's uh, told y'all the one thing I missed was podcasting, and that's immediately proven not to be true. <laughs> yeah, last time we were together, we did the linebackers, right? <laughs> Tell him not to look at me. I'm done. You know damn well what we covered last time, Sam. You're trying to sabotage this one now, too? Oh, well, it's good to be back. I, I did miss podcasting. Had a wonderful time in Italy with the family. Ate my body weight in pasta. Pax ate his body weight in spaghetti and gelato. So, also, he fell asleep at, at about 6 p.m. today. So, the jet lag is real, folks. It is uh, it's no joke. So, it's good to be back. I did miss you, fellas. I miss doing this. This was, uh, you know... I will say Mexican food, not really a big thing in Italy. So had that as soon as I got back today. That's always like the first thing you got to have. You got to, right? I love Mexican Like Sam said, we're really good at doing kind of our American spin on the food of other cultures. Like Italy, they can stay in their lane. Like the Italian food obviously is going to be the best in Italy. But, like, they don't do fried chicken well. They don't do burgers well. They don't do, Me- like, our version of Mexican well. Um, we do, no we, place we, like home. We do other people's things better than other people do other people's things. Yes. We're the, we're the best at cultural appropriation. Like, the, the, their, their riffs on American dishes, like, yeah. were okay. They were fine. You know, if you got it at, like, an American restaurant, you'd probably be a little disappointed. Our worst pizza over here is better than their best. Little Caesars better than anything they got over there in Italy. I was like, where's, I just want the, you know, pizza, pizza. Hello, anyone? That's right. He's an Italian, if I remember correctly. <laughs> That's C- Caesar? Ed to Brute, anyone? We're happy to be back with you guys tonight. We have a fun episode. Top 24 DBs. Sam, we brought you in for the... Top 24 edge rushers. Now we're talking about the DBs, cornerbacks, and safeties. Of course, these are pulled from Adam's Dynasty rankings. Go check it out, theidpdraftkit.com. We've got those updated, and we're working on the second update coming here in about 10 to 14 days. We're going to let training camp get underway, let the preseason get underway, but we're going to update it a couple times this month so that y'all have the most updated information. But check it out, theidpdraftkit.com. So we're going to talk through that, but gentlemen, we actually have legitimate football news to talk about. Not like, oh, so-and-so, you know, cut off his finger or there's interest from this team in re-signing. No, this is real hard-hitting news that we need to get into. And let's start, Addy, with the news out of Kansas City that Carlos Dunlap has a new team, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs. This is one of those late summer signings that can sometimes slide under the radar, but this one really moves the needle, needle for me. Yeah, I like this a lot. I mean... Carlos Dunlap had a monster finish to the end of last year. So, I mean, he can still bring it. And they have a major need there in, in uh, Kansas City. What do you have, eight and a half sacks last year? 
I think so. I think eight and a half. I think, and he might have done that in like two games. I was going to say, I think five or six of those came in like a two game stretch. He started 33, 34, something like that. Yeah, right. He's he's definitely he's older. Old. Yeah, he's definitely old. Melvin Ingram out the door now. I feel like he's um, a better player than Melvin Ingram. Yeah, so it's like whatever you thought Melvin Ingram could be for Kansas City, I think Carlos Dunlap is probably a little better, a little better than that. Yeah. Tick, a, a tick above what Melvin Ingram was. And I think you can maybe expect like six to eight sacks, maybe. Yeah, right. Maybe he maybe gets what five hundred to six hundred snaps this year. Yeah. What do you see him? Because of course you have. Chris Jones there. You have Carl Loftus now. Frank Clark uh, is Frank someone Clark, I still enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I think Frank Does Clark Does this is, put a damper now on your Frank Clark buzz at all? I still see him getting, you know, 600, 700 snaps, Frank Clark. So I still think he's a massive value. You think uh, Carl Loftus leads this group in terms of snaps? I don't know, man. I feel like this this will um, allow Kansas City to be more patient with, with him. I don't – I think that's a lot to expect him to come in immediately and be the – leader and snaps for the edge position there. Yeah. I think assuming health, I would probably put my money on Karloftis leading the group, but I could see it being a very even split. I think it's Frank Clark. Those guys. I think it's going to be Frank Clark leading the group. And then, yeah, Dunlop, Karloftis. Yeah. It was a nice signing. And I think this, like you said, does fill a position of need. Pass rush for the Chiefs has been pretty anemic. That's why we keep seeing these veterans like Melvin Ingram, like Carlos Dunlap cycle in. Sam, news out of Seattle. Jamal Adams getting a second opinion on a left-hand injury that's lingered for two years. He's out indefinitely. Shouldn't he be able to play with that, maybe? Maybe he has a club on his hand. I was going to say, haven't we seen guys play with clubs? I was going to yeah. say, is he holding out? Like, does he want a new deal? But he just got his new deal last season. So yeah. this is not a contract issue. Yeah, I mean, we just need him to rack up tackles and get some sacks, more sacks than he got last year. That's really what we need Jamal Adams for. It just adds this kind of weird feeling around Jamal that is Adams. a weird. That's a weird thing to just now be getting a second opinion on it if it's been bothering you that long. What's your temperature on Jamal Adams right now, Sam? Because this was the darling DB for several years, and now it seems like since he went to Seattle, his star has kind of dimmed a little bit. I know Macri had a great segment talking about Jamal Adams, and my takeaway from their conversation was that the the idea is that you you can kind of make a a case that his down season last year was because of the situation, and that you could see him having a bounce back season. Now, what this hand injury means, I'm not really sure how to how to think about that yet. I haven't worked through it, but I don't think of him as a ball hawk guy that gets a lot of picks. I mean, I think Jamal Adams can be Jamal Adams uh, even with a club hand for a little while. Yep. Yeah, tackles, sacks. I mean, that's what he's not necessarily the guy getting interceptions or, you know, tons of pass deflections. He's the tackle and sack guy, you know? Yeah, I think he was due for a a major bounce back this year. I mean, he he was coming on last year before he got injured. Assuming this hand injury isn't too serious, I think we can expect Jamal Adams to be, you know, a top five safety again. And his ADP is, let's look look at the best balls we've done. Jamal Adams, he's been drafted as a DB3, the DB5, the DB4, the DB3, and the DB2. So, I mean... Still top five. Yeah, if you're getting him as the DB5, DB4, I think you should feel very good about that. Yeah. He could still be an elite IDP safety for the next two, three years. Are you in that kind of setup, though, taking him at one or two? Or are you- no, 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 no. No, I'm not going to have any 
if he falls to DB5 on the board and he's sitting there as the fifth DB, are you maybe tempted if to grab him the, early? If we're in the fourth or fifth round, I'll potentially think about Jamal yeah. Adams. As long as, you know, Logan Ryans and the Jordan Whiteheads and the Harrison Smiths, I mean, as long as those guys are out there and being drafted, you know, after like safety 20, I mean, there's no reason to reach on any defensive back at all. Yeah. Derwin James, J- Jeremy Chin's ADP stupid, in my opinion. Wait on defensive Just back. Just wait. Like, yeah. always. Yeah. This The one most recent uh, best ball we've got, number six, I punted DB until the 17th round. Yeah. Probably a little too late, but, in, I in mean, best ball, In best ball, you should be – that's how you should end every single draft is just drafting a bunch of the, the, you know, the best corners that are available, mm-hmm. best safeties that are available. But yeah, there's I no think reason. The move is for me is to grab a couple steady Eddie safeties, maybe, or even like one steady Eddie. Like we'll talk about Justin Simmons type, you know, like that kind of like safe floor like the, the side guys too, like the Justin Reeds. Exactly. And, the, and then right. I would pair them with one, like a Nick cross. I mm-hmm. took Nick cross as my first DB in that one, but yeah, grab one safe floor safety, one high upside safety or two high upside safeties. And then just a bunch of cornerbacks. I've been doing that. Just a bunch of full time yep. 90 to 99% snap cornerbacks that like are going to be out there. Justin Reeds, Brandon Jones. Yes. Those types. Yep. And then just pepper in your cornerbacks that you think have a chance to play a lot of snaps and may get tackles, interceptions, that sort of thing. But for whatever, I mean, the, the, the ADP on the vets is just crazy. It really is. I mean, the fact that you can just get, you know, Harrison Smith, Logan Ryan, those guys are, are going to once again be, you know, top 12 safeties. Yep. Like they've been every single year, but you can still get them outside like the top 18. Remember, oh, remember when Jamal Adams was just absolutely peerless? I mean, this was like three or four years ago now. But he I mean, got he, traded for two first-round picks in like the his, real NFL. His second year in the league is when, the, yeah, it's like he was. That's when his value was at his highest. Mm-hmm. He was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. It's almost like uh, what's what's the thing Macri talks about about who's on your who's on your Mount Rushmore? Yeah, I mean, Mount he's, Rushmore. He's, he was that good at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, to think about him, he's unbelievable. And I think it's funny the crash of the safety upper tier. The kind of crash of that coincides, at least in my mind, with the crash of Jamal Adams' value. As he kind of came back to earth, I feel like the whole safety ceiling as a whole came back to earth, at least for me. Yeah, and just kind of that type of player, right? No one is really impressed with just like these box These box, yeah. Right, just these guys that can't do really anything other than just playing the box and almost be like little linebackers. Yeah, exactly, smaller linebackers. Yeah. That's just that, yeah, no one's impressed with that, and that's not really moving the needle for NFL teams anymore. So let's talk about another player who could potentially be a thorn in the butt cheeks for your IDP rosters. The Jets hit the Quan Alexander one-year deal. Now, before you say, oh, Quan Alexander, he's so washed up, he's never going to play, don't forget, Quan Alexander averaged 81% of the snaps from weeks 10 through 17 for the Saints adding down the stretch, Quan Alexander was a factor for both the Saints roster and for IDP managers as well. How old do y'all think Quan Alexander is? It feels, Sam, like he's 32, 33 years old. Yeah, At I, least I to me, right? Yeah, I agree. Well, what's, what, what is it? He's 27. Yeah, dude. Whoa. Not even... Gonna be 28 in August. Like, not even really close to the age 30 cliff yet. No. People just figured this guy was so good, like, so early. But yeah, he seems a lot older than he is. There was a time where Quan Alexander was looked at as like one of the best linebackers in the league, you know, when he's in Tampa Bay. Yep. Redemption story. Could be. Could be. And he's got his old DC there as his head coach now. 
I mean, yeah, this feels kind of like a Christian Kirksey type deal, like where he could we could easily look up and see Quan Alexander as a top twenty four linebacker at the end of the year. Because we have CJ Mosley there, and look at the circumstances: one older established linebacker mm-hmm. with Demario Davis, now CJ Mosley. Yep. And that linebacker two spot is up for grabs, I think. Yeah, it's this, Quincy Williams. Too. I was going to say, this does, I think, dampen the Quincy Williams hype a little bit because I, I think Quan Alexander is going to play. Yeah, and I mean, New York looked at their team and said that they need a linebacker in there. And so, I mean, that's not, you know, the best. That's not a great indictment of, of Quincy Williams. Right. So, yeah, I think I think there's a decent chance that Quan Alexander is, is pretty relevant for us in IDP. And that's yeah. just how that stuff goes. And, and also, I mean, if... If there's an injury, you know, it, doesn't, right. it just takes an injury to Mosley or Quincy Williams. I mean, just to bump him up even more. So great late target in like your best Paul draft. And he's free. He's yeah. not even this. This isn't going to move the needle that much. He's going to probably get drafted at the end of, you know, end of people's drafts now. But I mean, literally this guy was a waiver wire and it's now he becomes draftable. But still, I mean, that's a great value at the end of your draft. This is a guy I took just at the very end of our best ball number six, Damian Wilson. Or Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander. Right? I think so, too. Now that Quan has a team, I think I would look at him and say, hmm. Damian Wilson also had, like, a issue, like a legal issue, I think, like an assault-type deal. Yeah, they mentioned cool. that on yeah. the uh, the Big Nickel episode with Tripp and, and Macri, that is he going to face some kind of suspension? Like, what's going on here? So, another piece of news here I found interesting. This is the time of year when... As guys start to get signed, most NFL veterans have an idea if there's any sort of market for their services. Is, is anyone biting? Are you getting, is your agent getting any phone calls? And KJ Wright, that phone was not ringing. Retires after 11 seasons, I think signed with the Seahawks to do the one day kind of contract retirement deal. What will you remember about KJ Wright as he rides off into the sunset? I guess I remember that incredible Seahawks team. I yep. mean, that defense was awesome. Was that in the time where they had where they had peak Richard Sherman? They had peak Earl Thomas. I mean, they they had an Cam maybe, Chancellor, maybe, Bobby maybe, Wagner. maybe young Bobby Wagner. Yep. I think he was one of the like, yeah the last yep. remaining from that Legion of Boom days. Yep, so, so like so they're he, all gone now. Yeah, so he he was incredible in his own right, but he was oh, I I think of him not not to throw shade at him, but I mean he was not he was not one of the shining stars of the team i don't think just because he there were so many great people yeah he was always kind of a a supporting actor to like the main earl thomas and especially richard sherman i think were the faces of that defense and cam chancellor kj wright were kind of the silent enforcer types kind of, kind of like they had an embarrassment of riches you know that that he was one of those players that could have gone to a team that needed that position and been a starter on most other teams in the nfl if not all of them yeah, so he he was a big dude too, six four, two hundred and forty six pounds. Like this guy was an absolute hoss at the linebacker position. Played almost his entire career with the Seahawks. Signed with the Las Vegas Raiders last year, and it looks like he played in seventeen games and started eight. So re-signs with the Seahawks, Addy, and um, an underrated IDP asset as well. Had some very nice seasons for the Seahawks. Yeah, it looks like he was over 100 tackles four different times. Grade-wise, he was the lowest grade he ever received was 59.9. He maxed out at 87.9. But, I mean, was pretty much living in like the 70s, high 60s as far as grading. So, yeah, I mean, he was um, he was a good player. Nice little player. So, happy trails, KJ Wright. 
Well, we get new deals for Derwin James and Roquan Smith, Addy. They are pulling the new tactic of holding in where they show up at camp but basically don't do much as they wait to receive a new contract. I'd imagine both players get deals. I think so, too. I think they will. They'd be dumb not to. I mean, what do you do in Chicago? Where are you spending money, right? Who Who are your stars? Who are your building blocks? Yep. Got Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney. Yep. Roquan Smith. <laughs> Didn't they just sign the guy from the Pats that uh, the the receiver? What's what's the receiver? Oh, Nikhil Harry. They traded yeah, for Nikhil Harry. Yeah, Nikhil right. Harry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing, guys? Yeah. Uh, Pringle. He's, he's the answer. The, they got the Pringle guy. Yeah. Once you pop, the fun don't stop. <laughs> or maybe it never starts with Pringle. So I mean, that's a mouth-watering offense. Yeah. So Roquan Smith. I think though, I do worry about the Bears messing this up. Now, it's a new defensive head coach in there, Matt Eberflus, who comes over from the Colts, who we know have a prolific linebacker as well. So I think they get it done. But it does worry me a little bit. I think I think they'll both get their contracts, and come September, we won't even be talking about this. Yeah, and from an IDP standpoint, it doesn't matter. If, if, if Chicago doesn't want to keep around, okay, whoever gets him, he's going to still be a beast. He's going to still get tons of tackles. Yep. Who cares? Yeah, and if he'll he'll be there this year, he's under contract. Yeah. But Chicago's going to resign him. Yeah, I, I don't think this is anything to worry about. But you just have to put it on your radar that this is something that is happening. And Sam, another piece of news here to kind of wrap us up that I know you were tracking closely when you woke up from a nap and saw S. Leonard. Oh yeah, on your uh, RSO squad, you're Shaquille. like, who Shaquille the hell Leonard. is this? I thought I thought that the RSO had just made a huge mistake or something. I, I didn't know, and then I read. Apparently, it was his name that he was known by all through his life. Yeah, yeah. and only in the NFL do people call him refer to him as Darius. And so, hey man, more power to him. I'm a big fan. I'll call him Shaquille. They, all good. The Colts linebackers have. You are, you are going to go with Shaquille. You're not going to go with Shaq. Nah, man. All I've read is Shaquille. I think he goes by Shaquille. Yeah. Oh, there's a big old clap of thunder Ooh, here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. The storm is a bro. It's not just all thunder and fireworks here in the Sochak, folks. Sure. I will say the Colts linebackers have to chill out a little bit on <laughs> retroactively telling us that their names have been wrong for multiple seasons now. First, we have That's Bobby right. Okariki becoming Okarake, uh-huh. and now Darius Leonard becoming Shaquille Leonard. Tell you what, I'm I'm concerned that those boys ain't doing pills with Thursday. <laughs> doing what? Pills. Oh, you say okay. Yeah, that was an entire. That's I mean that we we said there's a reason these Colts players keep retiring early. Kari Willis, Andrew Luck. I forgot about Jack Muhort retired early. Right. So something yeah. something going on there, man. Who the hell is Jack Muhort? He was a highly drafted <laughs> guard that we had, like a first round guard we drafted oh. back in like Andrew Luck's early career. I'm I'm like two episodes into the Luck podcast that the Athletic oh, Football man. Show did. And Is that tough? It's sad. I'm just like, boy. You told Connor about this? Connor's listened to the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. he wants us, times. He wants us to get <laughs> Kiefer on the podcast and then just have him off in the corner just audibly crying throughout the entire episode. <laughs> we can do it. Yeah. There's a running joke, Sam. We only have Connor on with like heartbreaking, crushing Colts news. Oh, what was, so, what was the last thing that happened? Well, I always remember the Andrew Luck retirement. We had him oh on like God. two days later, and uh, I still don't think he's recovered. I think part of him died that day <laughs> and has never come back. So let's talk about some DBs, fella. I, I am excited to get into the safeties and cornerbacks. Addy, you've done a hell of a job 
on these ranks. Again, theidpdraftkit.com. Check it out. That's where you'll find Addy's ranks. They're there until the start of the season. So go over there, get yourself a copy of the IDP draft kit. But gentlemen, let's kick this thing off with Von Bell of the Cincinnati Bengals. 97 total tackles, five TFLs, half a sack. Graded pretty well last season, 72.1 overall on 95% of snaps across 16 games, averaging 11.2 points per game. Addy, this is one of those players that I just feel like is steady, Eddie, reliable, great safety two option. Um, don't know how much Von Bell I'm going to end up rostering, but if you're looking for those kind of floor, safe floor guys, Von Bell, Justin Simmons, these are the type of guys that you want to target. Yeah, I feel like Von Bell is one of these safeties who their value is decreasing mm-hmm. right yeah, i would agree i feel like last year at this time he probably would have been like in the safety 12 to 15 range now he's in the safety 24 range right because they why cincinnati has brought in another safety daxon hill that's right he could play a large role there and kind of do the same things that von bell does so i feel like von bell stayed there in cincinnati's probably not going to be for much longer but that's okay he can still be very valuable elsewhere again he's just he's a he's a good safety he's a solid safety yep he's gonna be useful to a lot of different teams but there's nothing you know don't overdraft this guy yeah this bleeds into another question here that we can tackle a little later on but i'm curious what the ripple effect will be if we do see jesse bates hold out and not get a new deal with the cincinnati Bengals and follow through on his promise not to play on the franchise tag but von bell very solid safety too Again, don't know how much I'm going to have of Von Bell unless I'm employing this kind of safe floor safety, high upside safety, cornerbacks to fill out my roster type of best ball strategy. But if you're looking for that guy in like a dynasty startup to kind of pair with your high upside safety one, you can do worse than Von Bell. Sam, we were talking before the episode started. A.J. Terrell really burst on the scene and became one of the NFL's premier cornerbacks in 2021. Yeah, he did. And I think I think that leaves out the sort of, not punchline to it, but you know, just the, the fact that he was incredible this past year, but he was garbage the year before. And so it's really incredible to have seen somebody go from being a really bottom-of-the-barrel person at his position to being, I think I saw a stat the other day that said among corners that played 700-plus snaps, he only allowed like 200 yards in man coverage, something that hadn't happened since Namdi Asmawa. That's a throwback right there. And in my opinion, I think that this brings up an interesting question. I think it's relevant to some other players on this list too, but since we're on A.J. Terrell, Terrell or Terrell? I don't know. I've heard it both ways. I think it's Terrell. Yeah, we're going with A.J. Terrell. Okay. A.J. Terrell. It brings up this question of, just think back to Namdi Asamoah for a while. Now, I haven't seen his stats, but I'm willing to bet, I'd bet the farm, that he was not an intriguing IDP asset. He was so good. Mm-hmm. Nobody threw to him. You don't want him. You want Bashad Breland, you know, four years ago. That, that That's the kind of person you want. Somebody that's getting peppered with the ball. Somebody that gets chances to get past deflections. Somebody that has a chance to catch a pick every now and then gets lots of tackles. Well, if he's gone from being, I mean, he is an elite. I mean, he, he was number one at all kinds of very important statistical categories at, the, at, at that position. Well, if quarterbacks start 
thinking about him as such and changing their game plans and offensive coordinators start thinking about this and going to other players. I don't know. Is he somebody you really want to look at as your cornerback one? I think maybe you might look elsewhere. Yeah, that's the question, Addy, that we have to answer here. Drew brought it up on the NFC South preview that we had. Are we interested in A.J. Terrell? 81 total tackles, really solid 85.6 coverage grade, 93% of snaps across 16 games, 12.1 points per game, including 15.9 in his last five games. A.J. Terrell was incredible for both NFL and IDP purposes, but are you interested for 2022? I think so. In, in your cornerback required leagues, yes. I think he is still a top 10 option. He's just a playmaker. I mean, he 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 makes things happen. And as far as like, you know, he is actually one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I mean, it, but that doesn't, that shouldn't like make you not want to draft him for IDP. I feel like the Daryl Revis is the awesome was. I feel like that's, not really a thing anymore with the way the passing volume is yes. in, in today's NFL. Like the tackles, is, the tackles. I think floor has risen. We talked about it too. Like Xavier Howard, like he's he's someone that doesn't get the IDP respect that he deserves. But I mean, like yeah. truly one of the best corners in the league. But like is actually elite at IDP as well. I think AJ Terrell can still be kind of that same way. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, another good example of an actual good corner that's really good for IDP. If we're looking at AJ Terrell's consistency from last year, he had. Eight games under 10 points. He had eight games over 10 points. That's totally fine for safety. He had um, four games over 15 points, and he had three games over 20 points. So he's one of the few cornerbacks that can consistently get to that 20-point mark. He scored on the season right at about the same number of points as Jeremy Chin in our league. So let that sink in. In terms of like the pecking order for all DBs, safeties and corners, this dude was right there on par with Jeremy Chen. He was way more valuable than Jeremy Chen last Of course. Yeah. Yeah, because he's... He was basically probably a waiver pickup for most people. He was at a position that is so much harder to get that week-to-week stability. And yeah, there were some weeks, like you said, eight weeks where he not crapped the bed. I mean, but less than 10 points from your corners, not great. But... With cornerbacks, I'm trying to avoid the the zero, trying to avoid the donut, and I'm just swinging for the fences with corners for the most part. Yeah, and like I mentioned, he had those three 20-point games. All three of those were from Week 11 on. So he had a 22.25-point game in Week 11, 21.5 in Week 14, and then 29.15 in your fantasy championships. Yeah, so... We'll see what this Atlanta defense looks like. I mean, they're going to be trash again. They're yeah. going to be getting thrown all over again. I mean, yeah, I'm fine with them. Yeah. So, There's not a lot of good cornerbacks that you're going to be, you know, targeting. And, and what He's one does, of the few. And what, what does happen if Deion Jones is out the door and then Foye Luakun is in Jacksonville? Your two tackle leaders that between them had like 3,000 tackles last season. Mm-hmm. What does that do? Does that open up more tackle opportunities? I don't know. We'll see. That's what I think is very curious is that that defense could be significantly worse than it was last season. What do we talk about all the time? You need to be out there to record stats, right? You got to have snaps. You got to have opportunity. He's going to be out there a lot. 93% of snaps. I would expect that to be even higher this season. Yep. 
This next guy on the list, Addy, is one of our favorite values going from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the New York Jets. It is Jordan Whitehead, 73 total tackles, five tackles for loss, graded pretty well, 70.7 overall with a 78.9 run defense grade from PFF, 88% of snaps across 14 games, an average 10.8 points per game, including 12.4 points per game in his last five. Jordan Whitehead is one of those sneaky Great late targets in your startup drafts. League winner, truly. I mean, he really is. I'm gonna do a, a something involving that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out league winners. League winners. This is, I think, what I'm seeing. Jordan Whitehead is what we hoped Marcus May would be last year, right? It, but hey, Marcus May was pretty darn good. He yes, average. I think like almost 13 points per game. I know he did have one big blow up week, but. The thing with these jet safeties is they're going to play a ton of snaps. I mean, if you look at Marcus May the last three years, he was basically he did get injured last year, but he was trending towards eleven hundred snaps. Yeah, and that's what I, that's why I say what we hoped he would be, just because Marcus May got hurt. So assuming yeah. Jordan Whitehead can stay out there, and he should. Oh boy, he's a good player. He's a really good run defender. He's really good at making plays happen in the backfield. I mean, he's going to be the guy manning that that strong safety and box role. I would imagine so. Yeah, I, I love Jordan Whitehead. I think he's this is a guy that you can get like he's he's being drafted as like safety twenty five to thirty, which Ooh, is just stupid. That's nice, Sam. He's a top fifteen safety this year. Yeah, Jordan Whitehead, great late value, great guy to snatch up late in your drafts if you're doing the punt DB strategy. Sam, I feel like Whitehead should be one of your top targets. I really like him just because they're just. It's so nice to be able to pick some uh, a safety that plays that box safety role. We were talking a little bit earlier about those safeties that play like an extra linebacker. You had mentioned he's going to be, you know, he's going to be on the field a lot, be on a lot of plays. I don't really see Zach Wilson in that offense putting up a ton of points. I mean, I think that they they're an improving offense, but I don't see them just beating the hell out of another team where they're going to be passing a lot. And I really want the safety on the team that excels against the run and is good in the run-stopping element of the game, I think he's a great pickup. I'd I'd be happy to have him on my team. Yeah, so on the season, Marcus May only played 30% of snaps, but that's because he only played six games, and in the five games before he got injured, 100% of snaps every single game. Jordan Whitehead is stepping into a primo opportunity and um, he's going to have that box safety role, Addy, and I'm so excited to see what he does with it. Yeah, I don't have the ADP all filled out for for uh, these best balls we've been doing, but in the two that I do, Jordan Whitehead was drafted as DB31 uh, and DB31 in the other. Wow. So that's just silly. That's incredible value, especially for and a guy. And there's corner sprinkled in there, but yeah. still. I mean, that's 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 nuts. Love that. And the guy's young, right? This is This was his first deal that he's got. He's like 25, 26. And I this mean, is a case, don't look at this as like, well, why did he switch teams then? Tampa Bay was up against a little bit right, of cap man, hell. They, they, they just could, couldn't keep everyone. Even though they brought in Julio Jones this week. Yeah. Before we pivot off of the Jets, shout out to our boy, George Fant. Uh, Coach Robert Sala said, Mekhi Becton's days of manning the left side of the offensive line are over. Mekhi Becton is moving to right tackle, and George Fant will be holding down the left side of that offensive line, as it should be. I'm sorry, Addy. I know we're biased as WKU homers here, but uh, George Fant earned that job. 
He's been great. One of the most versatile offensive linemen in the game. Yes. He's going to get another big deal, I bet. I think so. This is his last year in his contract with the Jets. Samuel, also appreciate at the airport in Chicago wearing the WKU merch. The guy at the uh, Hudson News place selling me my bottle of water says, it's the first WKU shirt I've seen in here. Then proceeds to rattle off like, you guys had an awesome quarterback like about a decade ago. I was like, Brandon Dowdy? He was like, yeah. He's like, didn't you guys have Mike White, Dallas, and then, you know, New York Jets? And I was like, this this random Chicago Hudson News employee knows a hell of a lot about WKU football you quarterbacks. got him on the pod. I know. I thought about it. Yeah. That's so, pretty cool. It's a good track record of uh, offensive fireworks at the quarterback position for WKU. I wouldn't have known any of those people. I remember Dowdy. Dowdy? Dowdy. I think you're thinking of Shannon Dowdy. <laughs> that guy should be here right now, not Sam. Get out, Sam. <laughs> Go talk about linebackers. Let's talk about another great late safety target, though. Brandon Jones. Mm. Two Concurrent breakouts happened last year with the Miami Dolphins. Javon Holland, who we'll talk about later, and Brandon Jones, 79 total tackles, 6 TFLs, 5 sacks, only 64% of snaps across 15 games, 11.5 points per game, but 15.3 in his last 5 games. Sam, Brandon Jones looked pretty good, and I think as we were talking about before we went on air, the really nice piece here is the value. This is not a guy being highly drafted. Javon Holland, for the most part, is still the higher drafted safety, even in redraft type settings. So as a guy you can grab late, Brandon Jones is pretty enticing. Yeah, I think I think Holland in a vacuum is the one to have. But against the price you have to pay, I really do like Brandon Jones. Here's what I see with him, though. What do you have? About a 68% uh, snap share last year. Yeah, 63%. But didn't really get going until yeah halfway through the Came year. Came on late in the year. That's right. And and he had a huge jump from his first year, right? I think his first year snap count was about 33%, something really small. So the arrow's pointing the right direction. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I think he has a lot of room to grow. Maybe he has that. I, I see a guy that has high motor, high effort player, um, but he's a little inconsistent. I think that's something to watch. Yeah, I wanted to look it up here. So Brandon Jones, in the games that he played, basically through about week five is when he really started to come on. Up until then, he had 14, 63, 43, and 2.8% of the snaps. Then week five on, basically never fell below 60% of the snaps, but was... Again, even with that being said, only had three games where he was above 90% of snaps. So I think, Addy, we may not have even seen the ceiling with what's possible for Brandon Jones if he can earn a higher snap share in 2022. He talked about Jordan Whitehead as a league winner. For what you got to pay for Brandon Jones, I also like him late in your drafts as well. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at, like, safeties that get sacks and and – Who's done that lately? It's been Brandon Jones and like Jamal Adams, right? Yep. Like Jam- uh, Brandon Jones had what four or five sacks? Five last year? sacks. Yep. You look at the usage with Brandon Jones: four hundred and sixty-seven of his six hundred and forty-four snaps came in the sweet spot. That's the defensive line box or slot, which is where, um, if you line up in, you're you're more likely to have a bunch of those tackles. Uh, so the usage is perfect for Brandon Jones. And yes, because he gets, he should be getting a lot of tackles, also has this big play upside with the sacks. 
the ADP, if we're looking at the some of the best balls we've done, he was safety. No, he was defensive back 29 and defensive back 33 in the two wow. and a half pulled. Um, I mean, that's where, you, you know, you don't have to spend up to get this guy. You can get him about, you know, DB 25 probably now. Yep. Everyone's been talking about him a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I like Brandon Jones. I mean, he's going to be the guy playing the box. Javon Holland's going to be doing his thing. Um, but, yeah, great play in, in 2022. Yeah, love it. And I think staring down the option of taking Javon Holland really high, especially in a redraft setting or waiting and taking Brandon Jones. This is the move. Probably going to take Brandon Jones right. late. Yeah, it's very much like a Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano situation. Exactly. So moving on to cornerbacks here, Sam, Trayvon Diggs, you might think is one of those targets, especially in best ball, where you can get the spike weeks, the boom games, 52 total tackles, 11 INTs, and 21 pass breakups in 2021, but graded okay, uh, 58.5 overall and a 65 in coverage on 94% of snaps across 16 games played, averaged about 15 points per game. You think, oh, let's sign it back. Let's run it back with Trayvon Diggs, but you're saying, no, wait a minute. Maybe pump the brakes a little bit on Diggs in 2022. I mean, I think I think it's a lot like the defensive end that came off a season with 18 sacks. Well, I'm just not really sure if I would expect that not to regress. I mean, he's an exciting player, no doubt. But it goes back to the it's sort of the inverse of what we were talking about with AJ Terrell. Like Terrell, the thing is, he's not he's I suspect he's not a super great cornerback overall. Yeah. I mean fifty eight point um, five uh, PFF grade. I mean he's yeah. get, he's getting he's getting burned a lot. He has he's got a lot of picks. But I expect he's going to regress to something like somewhere between four and seven picks on average per season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his tackles might be okay, but I think he's the kind of guy you sell high. Um, now, maybe you could make the case that if he really is a bum, then he's going to get targeted a lot, but that's that's a good thing. So I, I haven't really thought it through, but I'm just saying I, I think if I'm the, the – uh, if I am the manager of Trayvon Diggs, if I am managing Trayvon sure. Diggs. The cancel mob came for you after last episode. <laughs> You're rostering him. You're rostering yeah. the hell out of if him. If I'm rostering Trayvon Diggs. Got lots of shares. I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to move on from him for as much as I can get right now. So here's the question, Addy, is it seemed like the sell high point was last year in the midst of like this seven straight games with an interception streak. Is the market depressed at all on Trayvon Diggs where you maybe wouldn't get a good return? Or are people still so high on Diggs that it's still a good sell-high opportunity? I don't know. I mean, Oh, people are high on him. I think people are still somewhat high. Not as high as they were, obviously. He definitely cooled off considerably yep. that second half of the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Sam's exactly right. Like, the 11 interceptions, even the 21 pass breakups, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, you look at someone like Xavier Howard. He was the last guy to hit, like, double-digit interceptions. He had 10, I think, in 2020. Yeah. That was five last year. So, I mean, that's I what, would expect about half. <laughs> yeah. I think half is a reasonable right. expectation. But Trayvon Diggs can still be very, very useful for IDP, can still be one of the top corners. Here's why. Um, because he's going to be out there. He's going to be right? out there. Dallas, I mean, they're going to be in these track meets with yep. all these different teams getting, yeah. you know, 
People are going to be in shootouts with this team. He's and, young. And Trayvon Diggs, again, isn't the best corner. He's going to be getting targeted. He's going to be getting opportunities to make plays on the ball. That's why we see all these interceptions and, and, and pass breakups. So, yes, he is still a very good option at uh, a corner for you in IDP. Yeah, and, I was going to say. back as well. It, it, you talk about the 21 pass breakups, second only to J.C. Jackson's 23 yeah. in 2020. So, so I, I'd imagine both of those players will see those numbers decrease. Yep. So let's talk about from a guy who may be a little boom bust to probably the most steady Eddie safety that there is. This is the Johnny the Greek special, Justin Simmons, 80 tackles, four tackles for loss, five picks, green across the PFF grades here. Nothing below a 70 for PFF, 99% of snaps, 17 games played, 11.8 points (sighs) per game. Justin Simmons is probably lower than he's ever been. Yeah, his arrow is definitely trending down. In the, I mean, lower than he's been in the past three years, right? Um, this is a guy that we, we, we've loved for a long time. Yep. Um, we've been big fans. But last year, he even though he did have um, – he, he was pretty solid. I mean, I think we – we thought he was going to be better than what he was, but he, he disappointed compared to what she expected for where you drafted. Right. Him. But if you still look at like players that had the most safeties, that had the most 15 point games, Justin Simmons was third in the league. He had seven games over 15 points. So, I mean, he still gave you those, those high ceiling weeks. It's Do you just, have how many games he scored under 10? Yes. But it, like I was going to say, he, he has a very low floor. I was going to say, it felt like the floor kind of fell out a little and that's bit. And that's the usage. So he, he's kind of one of those guys that plays a little bit deeper, right? Um, but, yeah, Justin Simmons, he had four games under five points. Ooh, that's brutal. Uh, he had nine games under ten points. So, I mean, it was very much just hot and cold with him. Um, that's atypical, right? Is that, is that something He's that usually came- a little more consistent. I think that the uh, – yeah – for whatever reason, he just had more of those games below five points this year. Typically, he was he was just more kind of like steady and and solid. Like I feel like he was a lot shoe in for like ten points, but for whatever reason, that bottom kind of dropped out. Well, I think what we were anticipating was, and this is something we talked about earlier, is like the ceiling was coming down on these top safeties, and so I feel like some of these middling middle of the road, sort of like steady Eddie type of safeties got necessarily pushed up as the ceiling came down. So we thought, oh, Justin Simmons, why not? And he's just not that guy. Simmons also played. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. He's not going to be this 15 points average type of safety. Right. He's like in the 11 point range, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, that's great. But there's no reason to overdraft that because you can exactly. find that anywhere. And that's why I think you maybe felt the sting a little bit is because you shouldn't be paying the sticker price for Justin Simmons, uh, letting him fall. But just because there's this sort of dearth of high end safety talent, it's like, he's just kind of the next guy, right? That was the thing, right? Like Justin Simmons, like pretty much underrated his entire career until basically last year. Yeah. Everyone, he got paid, right? I think they maybe franchise Justin Simmons, I guess, you know, why not? So he kind of, I bet he had his highest ADP he's ever had last year in in fantasy. And that's why it kind of stung a little bit. And he did the same thing he's always done. And we're just like, oh, okay. I guess we thought, because we took him higher than we've ever taken him, that he would do a little more. Yeah. Right. And there just wasn't. So this next player, Sam, is someone that you mentioned Maybe aside from a Derwin James type, you would look at as one of the best safeties in the league, the Tennessee Titans, Kevin Byard. Speak on it. 
I just think he's a stud. I mean, he's a ball hawking stud. He's a huge, big play, IDP, exciting player. I also think when you look at his PFF grades, I mean, he's just, he's obviously one of the best, if not the best safety in the league outside of Derwin, maybe. I think this has to be the highest graded safety in the NFL last season, right, Addy? 90.4 overall PFF grade? Yes, correct. 90.4. Second was Antoine Winfield at 89.5. But yeah. Kevin Byard, King Byard. That's right. 90.9 in coverage, 88 total tackles. He had five picks, a sack, 96% of snaps across 17 games, and 13.3 points per game. So it looks like he only averaged 7.1 in his last five games. I guess he didn't get hurt because he played 96% of snaps, so he must have fallen off a little bit near the end of the season. Right. He's like a big play type guy, right? He does get tackles, but it's like, I think of what he finished with like around. 90 maybe yeah he had 88 but yeah he's a guy that you're gonna need those interception you know games from him for him to touch that you know elite ceiling that he has would you potentially overpay for him in a best ball type format where i don't think so you could get those big plays i don't think so i think his adp is about where he should be going I'd be curious. Have you? do you have adp on him i would guess he's probably going top top eight dbs maybe all right, so in these best ball leagues, unlike unlike Trayvon Diggs, I kind of believe his um, I kind of believe his interception numbers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think he's regressing any from what he's been doing. Well, because he wasn't putting up outrageous. He had five picks like that's not a crazy number for a safety. It's not like he had, you know, like Trayvon Diggs, like 11. I think you can bank on it. Yeah, I think, I think you can bank, you on, bank on. Yeah. A floor of three to four, five to six, a very reasonable expectation for how many snaps he's playing, right? He's pretty great with the ball in his hands, too. And he's he, great in coverage, yeah. yeah. 90.9. Again, has to be one of the highest coverage grades. There's a the reason NFL. he's one of the highest paid safeties in the league. Uh, so he's been drafted as a DB12, the DB17. Wow. The DB15, um, and the DB11. Wow, so, that's later than I thought. I thought maybe he would be getting bumped up a little bit because of the big play upside. I'm fine with those prices, and yeah, he probably should be a little higher than that. He's probably, he's probably what a top eight or nine safety. I'd, I'd imagine. I mean, yep. yeah, he should probably have a higher ADP. So this next guy, Addy, I think you said as we were looking through the doc before the show, you thought maybe you had ranked a little too high cornerback Legereus Sneed. You famously went with the strategy of. Let's just overpay for Kenny Moore and Legereus Sneed in our main league last year. And that worked out pretty well. So thank you, Legereus, for your service. That's been pretty good. Yeah, I, I do love Legereus Sneed. That's no secret. We've been a, a big fan of him, uh, of him since he came out. He's going to have, he's going to probably have a good chance of getting maybe more slot and box snaps than he's ever gotten this year. I think Joey the Tooth wrote a really good article about Legereus Sneed doing that, actually. So check that out over at Football Guys. But, yeah, I mean, he's good. He's a good player. He's He is going to get those slot snaps. I mean, he, he does seem like the guy that plays slot corner, you know, the most there. I'd imagine Justin Reed's going to get a little bit of those snaps, too. But, again, I, yeah, I, I think that you can expect more box snaps from, from Sneed. And he's just a good player. He's one of their better players on that defense. And, uh, again, this ranking may be a little too high, but whatever. But I think if you look at, Sam, the two – or I guess the three roles in that Kansas City secondary, I feel the most secure in Legereus Sneed because 
Now you're also bringing in Justin Reed, mm-hmm. right? You have another new safety there because Honey Badger's out the door. So of all, you have Juan Thornhill's in the mix. Daniel Sorensen's gone. There's been a lot of turnover there. And so Legereus Sneed is the guy I feel most confident in what his role is going to be. I just expect a copy and paste type of setup for him moving forward. Would you guys say he's an underrated corner? Yes. yes. Now, now, I know you guys, uh, he's been a kind of a darling of this show, right? Legereus Sneed. You guys mm-hmm. have talked about him a lot. Yes. But in general, outside, out there, outside this Soad Shack, he's underrated. Yes. Not a lot of people probably know who this guy is. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I watch him... <laughs> I don't know the way the way you set it up, Josh. It's I, I agree with you, but I think of Legarius Need as a as a really exciting corner to have uh, on, on your squad. That is, uh, he's just super high athleticism. I mean, he's a great blitzer. He's yeah. the kind of guy that he, his athleticism and speed can make up for whatever mistakes he's likely to probably make. And I just think he's a fun guy to watch, fun yeah. guy to have on your team. They can get you a lot of points in a lot of ways. He's um, a good player. He's a playmaker. He makes things happen. But yeah, you're right. He, he can he can make sacks. He can he can intercept. He's pretty good when he gets the ball in his hands. He's sticky in man coverage too. Yeah, he's a good player. 20 points in Week 9 against the Green Bay Packers. 28.2 in Week 11 against Dallas. Had a 13.5 in there. 12, 11, 15.6, 13. So he has, like every cornerback, you know, the chance that he's going to put up 3.75, 4 points, uh, 6 points. You know, there are those games, obviously, where he's going to score you less than 10. But that's the nature of the cornerback position. And I love pairing him, Addy. This is a great example, him and Kenny Moore, both of, if you're going to target cornerbacks and take this set-it-and-forget-it mentality, you want those slot corners. Yeah, right. I mean, that's where you know all the tackles come from. If you look at basically all the top IDP corners, those guys are dominating in slot snaps. Jalen that's right. Ramsey. That's why he's that's why he became really relevant this year. Yep. He's playing the star position. That's that's slot corner. Yep. Exactly. So let's move now to a pair of rookie safeties. And I want to get your take here, Addy, and I think I understand why. 15 is ranked ahead of 16 here, but Lewis Seen, Minnesota Vikings, ranked at number 16, and the Bears' Jaquan Brisker at 15. Now, is the 15 ranking for Brisker one slot ahead of Seen just because we have a clear path to snaps yes. for Brisker in 2022? Yep, exactly right. And There's, we love Brisket, so... Love Brisket. Great name. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Minnesota, you know, there's there's some talent there in that safety room. That's right. I mean, Cameron Bynum, he proved that, you know, we got it on tape that he was solid last year. Yep. So, I mean, there's still, I think, you know, obviously Scene's going to be the guy that they got the draft capital invested in him. He's actually good, I think. Um, he's going to be the guy that probably gets the playing time. But, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's still a risk. There's still a little bit of risk there, right? Where Brisker just there's none of that. There's he's going to play probably ever as many snaps as he can handle with how talent deficient that Bears roster is. And I think we all agree that we like Brisker's game. Yeah, he was. I liked him more than seen anyway. 
Yeah, so Scene was the third safety taken, drafted 32nd overall, first-round pick, last pick of the first round by the Minnesota Vikings. Mm -hmm. And then Brisker was taken 16 picks later, 48th overall, fifth safety off the board. Sam, do you agree here? Jaquan Brisker ranked one spot ahead of Lewis Scene? I think that it makes perfect sense that Lewis Scene would be drafted first in a re- by a real NFL team, but that but Brisker, I think it makes sense to like him a little bit better in terms of fantasy, just because of the strong safety versus free safety thing. I mean, Brisker seems to me to be more of the traditional box safety run stuff kind of guy, whereas Lewis Seen is the dude that has. He roams the second half of the field well. He kind of moves well through traffic, more your traditional free safety type. And Brisker has a lot more immediate value just because he's going to be an every-down starter as far as I can tell. Yeah, I agree. Here's the other Dolphins player that we mentioned earlier, clocking in at 14, Javon Holland. 69 total tackles, a very nice total. I will say, Holland graded a lot better, Addy, than I thought he would have. 84.7 overall and an 87.7 in coverage on 84% of the snaps. So he played about 20% more snaps across 16 games than Brandon Jones did. 12.2 points per game and 12.5 in his last five games. Double breakouts in the Miami secondary, Addy. And I expect more of the same between Javon Holland, Brandon Jones. We mentioned that Brandon Jones is probably the guy you want between the two because of the discount that you get. Javon Holland still being taken earlier. But both of these guys are great. And it's kind of fun to see a defensive backfield that has two talented stars like Brandon Jones and Javon Holland. Right, yeah. Javon Holland, probably one of the best young safeties in the league. I would agree. I have him... Up there with like Antoine Winfield, Xavier McKinney, those kind of rising stars. That's those are great comps too. Because what are those guys? Those guys are usage busters, Mm -hmm. right? Those uh, he's Javon Holland has played two hundred thirty three snaps out of his eight hundred and ninety three in the sweet spot. So that's typically not usage that we like. No, that's that would you would look at that and say yuck. No, thank you. That's the opposite. That's that's very much in line with like Winfield, Minka Fitzpatrick. So these type players, they're special, right? They're they just know how to, you know, make things happen, make plays happen, stack up production. That's what Javon Holland is. Yes. And I think Sam there was a great quote today, and I know he said it before, but listening to the episode with Josh Norris and Sigmund Bloom. Sig has recently been saying a lot, what has happened in the past is not the outer limit of what can happen in the future. If the past two years have taught us anything, it's that we don't know the extent of what can happen moving forward. And so just because these guys had these years where they were these transcendent playmakers, does it mean that that's the upper limit of what these guys, these young players can do? There is a world in which playmakers like Javon Holland, like Antoine Winfield, improve and play up to an even higher level moving forward. And yet the tendency in fantasy football is to say regression, regression, regression. These guys are going to fall back to earth. And I'm with Addy that maybe there are these special players out there who can push the outer limits of what's capable given less than ideal usage. Yeah, it's like it's like when somebody says, uh, well, the stock's already dropped 80%. How could it possibly go lower? Or the stock's already gained 500%. How could it possibly go higher? It could go a lot higher. It could go a lot lower. 
I think if you looked at over a long enough time period, over a million years, over a billion coin flips, yeah, you know, the what's happened in the past probably be indicative of what what what's going to happen on average. But just because a coin flip comes heads fifty times in a row doesn't mean you're due tails. I think Javon Holland is awesome. I think he, his upside is massive. And regardless of what's happened in the past with any player like him, him, or anybody else, I think his upside is appealing. I mean, this guy's an excellent tackler. He gets off the ball. He gets off of like blocks well. He's a really one of a kind safety. I've got my eye on him. I don't have him anywhere. I'm not managing him on my <laughs> roster anywhere. Yeah, you need to be careful. You were backsliding there. You're about to say the R word again, the Washington former franchise name. No, I think, Eddie, this is a philosophical thing that I think we have tried to embrace to a certain extent. This is not true, like, across the board. But there are certain positions where I want to swing for the fences. I don't necessarily want to hit a double at every single position group. And safety is one of those where I'm like, you know what? There's such a such a surplus of your 8 to 12 point scores. Why not swing for the guys who have the incredibly high upside? And if you all you're looking to doing is hit the double with position like safety, that's where I'm afraid you're capping your upside as a manager a little bit because you're not acknowledging the possibility of these next level type of players. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't just look at usage, you know, if you're looking for that safety, right. If you're looking for like the security of like the, the safe safety, right. The single or the double that you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, then, then we are looking for like the, the box usage, right. It's almost like cheating in a way. If you're just looking for just like a, just yeah. a, a quick little fix, quick Tri- little pick Trip said this, we can look at the usage and the snaps and just pick somebody up off of waivers. Yep. That's not hard. But you win your leagues with the outliers. That's right. Like, there's no sense in, like, trying to find ways to knock these guys down or or, or whatever these people, you know, you can't always just look at usage, right? You're missing out on special players, these outlier players that can win you your leagues. If eight points is what you want, you can get that out of Andrew Wingard. Eric yeah. Harris. Like, yeah. any of these doofuses. Right. Any yeah. of them. And that's no the one, thing too. no one cares about that. And here's the thing too. These types of players make it fun to be a fantasy football manager. When you have guys that are fun to watch that give you these big week winning performances that buck the trends and the analysts keep saying, I don't know how this guy is doing it given the usage, but he's doing it anyway. Those guys are so fun to roster. Everyone told you to fade Buda Baker. Everyone's been telling you to, to fade Antoine Winfield's last two, three years. Why? Just because, only because of the usage. Yep. That's it. They're missing out. And like Sam said, across a larger sample size, that is sound advice. But I think this is where you can get into trouble if you are just following consensus, is that consensus is typically going to pull back to the middle, back to the safe kind of middle ground. And it's not going to tread into the waters of these high upside riskier plays, Sam, because that's where you have the potential for massive loss. We don't get enough. We don't have enough years on this earth to have enough. I mean, what, what, what do we probably have in front of us? Another good 20 years of fantasy football. You know what I mean? 20 years of life would be great. Maybe, I'd sign up for maybe, that. Get me to 54. You know? No. I'm just saying that that's not a very big data set. And so um, 
we shouldn't be making decisions like some econometrician about a thousand years in the future, you know, over a long period of time. We got to get on the ride and ride it. Have a good time. That's right. Have fun. Have fun with fantasy football, folks. Draft players that make your pulse quicken, that excite you to see them on your rosters and plug them into your starting lineups. I mean, no reason to be a total dumbass about it yeah. either. But we're uh, not saying right. like go nuts and just draft <laughs> just the all upside only teams. free safety. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't do that. But occasionally, it's okay to buck the trend. Don't be afraid of Antoine Winfield. Yeah, like, like come on. Don't be afraid to have some fun. Yeah. Jump in a Corvette. Doesn't always have to be the Toyota Camry. Speaking like, of... Nothing wrong with the Toyota Camry. Not say that. I was going to say, I got one in the garage right now. It's a great car. Speaking of players that have potentially untapped upside, I don't know that there's been a bigger riser, especially for you, Addy. Clocking in here at 13, we mentioned Legereus Sneed from the Kansas City Chiefs earlier. Justin Reed, the newest Kansas City Chief there in that defensive backfield. Last time we've seen him with the Houston Texans wasn't great, but you think there are brighter days ahead for Justin Reed, and that's why you have him clocking in here at number 13. I think so, and I think Kansas City thought the same thing. I mean, that's why they signed this guy to a three-year, $30 million deal. We know the safety room is nothing really to be too intimidated of. I mean, it's we feel the most confident about luxurious need. That's yep. not great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so just a uh, lot of turnover there. A lot of guys gone. Got Juan Thornhill. Brian Cook was the guy I was trying Brian to think Cook, of yeah. earlier. Yeah. So Brian Cook's intriguing. Something. But I mean, again, they paid Justin Reed. We think Justin Reed is actually good. We think he was just uninspired in Houston, which I mean, how could you not be uninspired in that dumpster fire? Has he been back long enough to where it's no longer a redemption story? Or can you still say that about him? Wasn't he out for a while with some medical? Who Reed? Yeah, yeah, Reed got in the doghouse. He got he just, pinched. He just yeah wasn't doing so. Fell out of favor with the uh, previous Texans regime, David Culley. Right. Okay. Fifty point nine PFF grade last year. That was um, that was down from sixty point seven the year before that. But early on in his career, 2018, 2019, 77.4 PFF grade, seventy six point seven PFF grade. This guy has shown that he's a sound tackler. I think, you know, it's it's just going to be what's the usage look like in, in Kansas City? Is he going to get the honey badger role? Is he going to get a lot of these slot, this, these box snaps? If he does, I think that we're looking at a top 12 safety. And here's the thing, too. If we're making the case for all these Jaguars players having this sort of bounce back from the end of the suburban era, suburban Meyer era, which is somehow worse than we ever could have imagined. Yeah. Every player, every chance they get behind a microphone at training camp has said, this is literally night and day difference yeah. from what we experience under Urban Meyer. If we're making the case that these guys are due for a bounce back because of the upgraded coaching staff and the context in which they are playing and doing their jobs... We have to make the same kind of case on the defensive side of the football and say that Justin Reed going from a dysfunctional Texans franchise to a Super Bowl pedigree Kansas City Chiefs getting paid a very nice contract. Keep in mind, despite the fact he played poorly, despite the fact he got benched, still grabbed a $30 million deal in free agency from a team that could have brought back Honey Badger, a beloved member of that squad, chose instead to go with Justin Reed. So I think, Sam, all the signs are there in my mind to say the Chiefs like Reed, so why shouldn't we like him as IDP managers as well? We should love it. 
But it? he plays deep. <laughs> That's the analytics nerd on Twitter shouting down at Adam. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I, I would have I would have used the same logic uh, last year with Minka Fitzpatrick who went off. So I'm kind of getting over that. I mean, yeah, you want I, I guess in a in a vacuum you want the box safety. You want the guy that plays closer to the line of scrimmage. If um, you're fading safety, right? I think right. That's what you're looking for. If you're like I don't give a shit about safety, I'm just going to look for the guys that get the most box snaps. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. But I think I think guys can do a lot. Can produce a lot of points for IDP teams roaming the back of the field. And so I like him. He's still young. And I think that there's a case to be made that uh, lackluster year is due to uh, just, just a, just a piss poor team in general. I mean, we've, if you've had a job that you hate, like dysfunctional management, terrible coworkers, just the worst performing company in the world. Like everyone hates you. You're a laughing stock. You probably wouldn't be super motivated to go out and like give it your all. His every... quarterback was under all that stuff last year. Yeah, I mean, now he's got an opportunity to be a winner. That's yep. right. Um, he's he's got, got a up. chance to play for a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. And he's paid like. People miss that man. He's, yeah. he's he's gonna be juiced up. The context, like he's young, he's highly paid. He's in a brand new situation with a great organization. He's gonna be he, around a bunch of people that have been in the postseason, yep. know how to be professional, and he's having fun. Yep, yep. Guys play better when they're having fun. I agree. I think so. When they like what they're doing. Yep. So that is number thirteen. We're gonna take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we cigarette will... break for Sam. Yes, yeah, he's got a real problem, guys. This guy's a Bad seed. It's going to go out and smoke in the rain right now. <laughs> Not singing in the rain, folks. Smoking in the rain. Don't go anywhere. When we <laughs> smoke come back. cough. Yeah, you hear the cough in the background. We're going to talk about the top 12 <laughs> DBs for your Dynasty League. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? Josh here with the IDP show. Now, if you've been listening to our show for any amount of time, you've probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where league members get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. And the IDP show is making it happen for listeners. We've partnered up with RSO to offer new members 10% off their annual site fee. Just use promo code IDP show after your 14 day trial is complete. So what are you waiting for? With RSO, you have free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Like we said, it's the closest thing you can get to being an NFL general manager. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. 
Just remember to use the promo code IDP show to get 10% off the site fee. Again, that's promo code IDP show to get 10% off the site fee for your leagues in 2022. Fantasy just got real with Reality Sports Online. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the IDP show. We just covered the DBs 24 to 13 in this back half of the episode. Gentlemen, we are going to touch on the top 12 DBs for your dynasty leagues. And at number 12, it's the guy we've already mentioned quite a bit in this episode. Even if we were leading to this part of the show, Jesse Bates, the aforementioned Cincinnati Bengal, currently holding out, says he will not play on the franchise tag. I know I've taken Dax Hill a couple places as a result, but 88 total tackles, 68 PFF grade overall, 95% of snaps across 15 games and 9.8 points per game. Was Jesse Bates a little underwhelming last year, Addy? He definitely was. He, uh, yeah, he had he had a lot of stinker weeks, you know. But, I mean, for the most part, he's been pretty consistent, pretty solid for us, like a top 12 option for us in IDP. He is one of those types, right? He's Like we mentioned with like Antoine Winfield, he is a little bit of that, right? He plays deep, but he's a, he's a good player good playmaker and, and makes things happen and um he's done that consistently uh, consistently in his career and um yeah we'll see what happens if he moves on but i think he's still a very valuable safety now unlike derwin james roquan smith do we think jesse bates gets a long-term deal from the Bengals? it doesn't seem like that's gonna happen i don't think so sam they take dax hill very high in the draft it seems like to me they're signaling to us hey we're ready to move on from Jesse Bates. We'll squeeze one more year out of him on the franchise tag and then kick him to free agency. Yeah, maybe so. I'm not really sure how much a guy like that can ask for. But, man, I think he's good. I think he's one of the more underrated safeties in the league. I think he's a really good player. I'd like to see him and Von Bell be a tandem again this year. I think they're an exciting pair. So I hope I hope they get some kind of deal done. And um but we'll see. I, I'm I'm not really up to speed on how good the rookie is that they drafted. Is he? What's your temperature on him? I think he's obviously not ready yet. But I yeah. mean, he's gonna. Yeah, I think he'll be solid. I think he'll be he'll be fine. I'll is just he, be curious if Jesse Bates calls the Bengals bluff. Because what happens if he does? If we're stretching into the preseason and he hasn't suited up for training camp or any of the preseason games? I don't think that's gonna happen. 
I think Le'Veon Bell, didn't he come out recently and saying that he like regretted doing all yeah, that Yeah, if stuff? he could go back in time, he'd do it differently. I don't think players should do that. Are there any safety needy teams out there? I know maybe not for this year, but would he have would there be any exciting landing spots? He'd have, he yeah, he'd have plenty of suitors for yeah. sure. He's only uh, 25 years old. Yep. The reason we felt the sting last year now on one fewer game, but was his lowest output by about 30 points. His first two years in the league averaged right around 175 points, jumped up to 211.95 in 2020, and then fell all the way down to 146.6. He shouldn't be your safety one. No. He's a solid safety two, though. So I'm curious here why you have him right at the edge of that safety one range. Is it just because of the age and the age, the perceived value as well? Mm -hmm. I think a lot, I think the most fantasy gamers like Jesse Bates quite a bit. I don't think a lot of managers have caught on to how much of a stinker he put up last year. He didn't do great. Yeah, he he did. And yeah, you're right. I think the the ADP is still really high. But did he get over 100 tackles last year? 88 total tackles. 88 total. Okay. Mm. Um he's a guy that's graded pretty high for the most part if we look at his career. 2018 79.9 PFF grade, 2019 61.2, 2020 was a great year, 90.1 PFF grade. Last year 67.8. So yeah, definitely a down year. I like him as a bounce back though. I agree. Especially I just I don't know. I, he is and that's that's probably more the reason why he's so high. Just because I'm expecting to bounce back. I already know that most people like this guy. Yep. I mean, he's a, everyone's a, a Jesse Bates fan for the most part. He's a, he's one of those guys that's actually fun to watch, a good player. But the, the community seems to enjoy Jesse Bates. And I, he's just one of those players that does worry me. Is he actually going to take the field? I think he will. Like, if I had to put money on it, I think he'll be out there week one. But it just makes me nervous because it seems like the Bengals, a, a notoriously cheap franchise, have no interest in paying Jesse Bates what he wants. And Jesse Bates has no interest in playing on the franchise tag. So if there's a stalemate, which side is going to cave? Historically, that has tended to side with the ownership side and players end up playing even in situations where maybe they wouldn't otherwise. So we'll see if he's out there though. I agree. I don't want, I don't want Jesse Bates as my safety one, which is where you have to draft him. So I'm not going to be rostering a lot of Jesse Bates, but in best balls, this next guy. And I, we should also mention that like, I'm not going to have any of these guys in a start in a startup. Yeah, you're not going to overpay for I'm safety. not going to overpay for any of these guys. But if I have to rank these guys, which That's is right. what this exercise is, this is how I would view them. But again, never, ever, ever overdraft anyone on this list other than maybe like the, the guys from the 13 to 24 range. Yeah, I was going to say, this is an interesting episode because the further we move up the list for linebackers or especially edge rushers, you're like, these are the guys that you want to be taking high in your startups, right? Like these are the first rounders in an all IDP draft. But as we go further up this list, this becomes more of a do not draft list. Do not draft these guys. Yeah. For now, I will say you mentioned there is a there is kind of a sweet spot of where some of these guys fell. Yeah, you just you you soak up the value. Exactly. Whoever falls, right? Use this list to soak up value. Take guys that are falling. 
but don't use it as a sort of like, okay, next up is this player. I should take them now because they're available here in the third round. No, just wait. Like I'm thinking of like the Justin Reeds, the Jordan Whiteheads. Those should be the targets. Yeah. Those guys are going like DB 20 and later. Right. And I have them ranked. Like those should be the people you're targeting. No one really in this top 12. Yeah. This next player, speaking of public perception, I feel like is the poster child for high public perception, but actually came through and validated that last season for seemingly the first time in his IDP career. The Steelers, Minka Fitzpatrick, the newly paid 124 tackle. Man, goodness gracious. And here's the thing. Sam, Minka Fitzpatrick did not score his points off the back of big plays, which is what we typically think of when we think of Minka Fitzpatrick. Only one tackle for loss, two INTs, one forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and seven pass breakups. Not a huge big play monster in 2021, but still averaged 11.7 points in 12.8 in his last five games across 99% of snaps in 16 games played. Minka Fitzpatrick somehow morphed into a tackle monster last year. Are you talking about regression? Are we fading the tackle numbers for Minka Fitzpatrick in 2022? My perception of him two to three years ago, because he had that big breakout season, was it with the Dolphins? Was he with the Dolphins? Before, yeah, before right. the Steelers. Yeah. And then he had one huge year at the Steelers and then kind of a down year, and then he had this big year. And so my my uh, my memory on him is like he was he was kind of like Xavier Howard was right after that Big Ten interception season, and everybody kind of chased him, and he underwhelmed. And then he came out the, this next year, last year, and um, overperformed and 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 overperformed because yep. people were kind of undercompensating for it again, you know, uh, in, in the draft last year. I think he's one of those guys where I mean he's top five actual NFL safety, right? Mm-hmm. I mean he's he's a super solid player, really awesome. Is there something to when a player when a defensive player gets a little older and they lose that quarter of a step, that half a step? Now I know he's still pretty young, 26, 27. 25, like yeah. Oh, 25. Yeah. Well, maybe it doesn't apply here, but I just wonder if you were to to look at a chart of the older safeties specifically free safeties get the more tackles they start racking up instead of interceptions and uh pass deflections you know like you're faster you're running more wild you're you're covering a lot of uh deep zones and so on whereas maybe as he's gotten a little older he's spending a lot more time up closer to the line of yeah. scrimmage it's tough to see that stuff unless you're a pro watching film and stuff you know but uh it's just kind of what I'm imagining. Is that is that way off? Is that the kind of thing I was gonna that say, happens? So the, his, his usage. Yeah, he, I was going to say, what was the usage? This is where I'd be curious here. 2021, uh, 911 snaps. Never forget. Never forget. At free safety. Reminds me of that tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sam. You said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> <laughs> 119 in the box, 107 in slot. So, yeah, this guy is dominating at free safety. I mean, that's, that's 90% of his snaps. 85% of his snaps at, at free safety. Definitely a percent of his snaps. Uh, some percentage of his snaps <laughs> at free safety, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those tackle numbers, that's that's by far the highest of his It's career. bonkers. Here's, and this illustrates, I think, beautifully, because this is not the highest scoring season of his career. That would actually be 2019, which he had, like, two more points, but still. He had five picks, though, and the, he had, the, like, the, three touchdowns. Maybe. Yeah, so that was the point was – this illustrates 
when we say big play versus like a tackle heavy, this is big play scoring, big three scoring here. 124 tackles in 2021 compared to 68 in 2019. And yet he still outscored that 2021 season in 2019 by two points. Mm. So that shows you what kind of we talk about the variability between tackle heavy and big play scoring. This is where you see it, that a guy can have almost double the number of tackles and still not outscore his season from two years ago. So this is something, I mean, we've got to fade this, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, some of the highest tackle numbers by any DB I would imagine, of last season, I yeah, would imagine. I'd imagine that's his career high. That'll be, that'll, that will be his career high. Um, I mean, that's almost 45 more than the next highest season that he had. He was probably frustrating, too, though, in that 2019. I I bet he was frustrating week to week. He was never a guy that you wanted to start. It was like boom. It was boom bus weeks, right? He'd have those big games where he'd have a pick six or something, but then he'd suck it up the next week. You never knew when to start that guy. Because, I mean, because think about it. Mink has never been, like, he's not, like, highly regarded in IDP circles, really. Yeah, I think that's right. Think you know, right. yeah, he's more frustrating than anything. Next year, I think he's gonna. That's the thing. He's gonna. He's gonna. People are gonna have to draft this guy high now, and he's probably gonna let him down again. Yeah, I'll pass. Yeah, yeah. No, and, thank you. And and that's that's what I was getting at was that for the first time after earning this moniker of this big play safety, that suddenly Minka Fitzpatrick turned into like the steady Eddie tackle machine and it was just such an outlier for what his career has been historically that I just have to fade those tackle numbers I mean yeah I I wanted to pull it up here so yeah he was the highest number of tackles for the DB position at 124 the next closest was Jalen Thompson at 121 Derwin James at 118 so I just don't see a world in which we have a guy playing 9-11, never forget snaps, deep safety, leading the NFL in tackles for the safety position. Yeah. That's nuts. That's way crazier to me than Trayvon Diggs' 11 interceptions. Yeah, I mean, it's a a bad look for the usage community, for sure. It's a bad look for the Steelers linebackers. What the hell were those guys doing? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that hasn't gotten much better. Yeah, were they just like running toward like opposite corners of the field, leaving like a big chunk for Minka Fitzpatrick to come up and soak up these tackles? I mean, I Troll Edmonds could do something. Yeah, Edmonds, what are we doing? The Edmonds family just continues to underwhelm. Yeah. Jordan Poyer sits here at number 10, gentlemen. 93 total tackles, 77.7 overall grade. Graded very well, except in run defense where he was average at 55.9. of snaps across 16 games played. Averaged 14.1 and 10.82 in his last five games. And that 14.1 was for the season. That was second best among all safeties, only behind Derwin James. So I was going to say, Jordan Poyer. Bala. I mean, kind of in the Harrison Smith mold for me, Sam, that he is just consistently excellent and continues to be underrated from one year to the next. Well, would you say he's underrated? I mean, I think I think everybody knows about him now, right? I don't know. I Prob- mean, you put up what four or five? I think he's had four, at least four straight safety one seasons, at least. <clears throat> I will say that if you looked at his career, most of the years he's played, he's been underrated. Yeah. So I agree with you there. Man, he is awesome. He is one of the he's one of my favorite safeties ever. 
Sam was a early adopter. Mm-hmm. I remember Sam had him when he was labeled as a cornerback in RSO. Right. Yep. And then he was just still awesome to have as a safety. Yep. I think he was a waiver wire guy. You were, I remember you were like worried, like, oh, he's not going to be a cheat code anymore. It didn't matter. No, it didn't matter. Didn't matter. You, still, you still want that dude on your team? He's put up just insane numbers, y'all. I mean, since 2017 when he got to Buffalo, 228 points, 211. A little bit of a down year in 2019, 180. Yes, but then 211, 225. I mean, Again, that's, that, I'm pretty sure that's sheesh. five straight top 12 finishes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, a lot, and then there's like four of those are top Five or six, probably. He's been he's out. been the most consistent safety we've, in, the in the NFL for IDP for yes. the past half decade. Yeah, so it looks like he is angling for a new contract. I thought I had seen something about that. That um, there, the conversations were ongoing. I think he's at training camp. He's practicing, but he wants a new deal because his deal is expiring. I believe. Yeah. Um, Good luck he, to him. What's he he is. He's thirty-one point three. So still has you know. Again, Harrison Smith is going to be 34. So, I mean, this guy could still get another massive contract, I think. Yeah. I just yeah. make up numbers. What's he, 35? Yeah, but man, like, I, what I is this it feels guy? like it, yeah. though, man. I mean, but, so yeah, that, he's been around forever. And that's why maybe people are, are, you know, that's too high for someone that's in their 30s. But, I mean, that's why he can still be elite for another three years. And that. What else can he have done for the Bills to justify another contract? I mean, he's been as excellent as you could possibly want after arriving there. I can't imagine them letting him go. I don't think so. Depends on, I guess, what this team looks like, but we all expect them to be in the Super Bowl mix. So yeah. pry that window open for as long as you can. Pay this guy. Yeah, they're in it. I mean, they need right? to. And you need that because who are your linebackers? You've got Milano there, but you're about to lose Edmonds. So mm-hmm. kind of shore up the spine of that defense. Don't lose those guys. Yep. So let's talk about number nine on your list, Addy. And I have seen this guy plastered all over every breakout and kind of future star of not only the IDP world, but defensive football in general. Who's the next guy we're talking about here from the New England Patriots? Mr. Kyle Duggar. 92 total tackles in 2021, five tackles for loss, four interceptions, one fumble recovery, five pass breakups, and two quarterback hits. Graded really well. 69.7 overall PFF grade. He had a 73.7 coverage grade. Played 77% of the snaps, which, I mean, that's a little low in my opinion. I mean, they do have – the thing with him and in 2022 is they do have a lot of competition back there. You know, yes, Adrian they do. Phillips is very good. They did bring in real peppers. We think he's butt for the most part. But maybe it doesn't increase much. Maybe it does. I mean, we know Belichick don't give a damn about – Nope. Any of these players' feelings? Literally just said, we don't really do things like naming offensive coordinators on this team. I was like, that's the most Bill Belichick thing I've right. ever heard because there's all this speculation. Is he going to call plays? Is uh, Joe Judge going to call plays? Is Matt Patricia going to call plays? Bill's like, eh, we don't really do titles here. <laughs> I was like, okay, Bill, whatever you say, bud. <laughs> Guess you also don't have someone who like handles your wardrobe either. Sam, I have a philosophy of not rostering Patriots because I just hate the New England Patriots franchise and I'd rather not win with them on my team. But they've also not been a team that's super friendly for either offense, but especially IDP. What's your general attitude toward Patriots IDPs and then towards Kyle Duggar in particular? Well, I think people have had some success with uh, with Patriots linebackers in the past. Safeties are a little 
choppy. Maybe Patrick Chung was good to have at one point. Um, but I think uh, I think you're right to watch out for some of the IDP things going on with the Pats. They're such a finicky, weird team, and they rotate so much, and they you know guys can get in the doghouse real quick. But in terms of the actual NFL football player, I just think it's another instance of you know unlike with their wide receivers, the the you know the Pats just turning some relative nobody reaching up and grabbing him in the second round and turning some nobody from a nobody school into an outright superstar. And I think that's what we're seeing with Kyle Duggar. I think Bill Belichick loves Kyle Duggar. I do too. And I think that if you're wanting to counter the argument of there are a lot of guys vying for snaps in that defensive backfield. Look at the track record of how Bill has trusted this young player moving forward into his career, now going into his third season. I think we could see an uptick in snaps. But you're right, Addy. Bill Belichick does not give a damn about your feelings or your fantasy team. So this feels like one of the riskier propositions here in the top 12. Sure. Now, we do love the usage, though, for Duggar. 606 snaps out of his 734 were in the sweet spot. Again, that's DL, boxer slot. So, I mean, that's one of the the highest percentages in the league. So that's good. But yeah, I mean, how much more is he going to get? Probably not much, but I mean, maybe we could see 80 to 85. I was going to say, what's the ceiling in your mind? For me, it is in that kind of 80 to 85. Yeah. Range. Yep. So from one player in Jordan Poyer to another looking for a new deal, the Colts slot cornerback, Kenny Moore, put up 102 total tackles, six TFLs, four INTs. Kenny was blessing you left, right, and center last year, 97% of snaps across 17 games, 13.6 points per game, and 13.05 in his last five. Kenny with Jarius Sneed, the two pillars of the Adam Markham school of drafting cornerbacks. I don't know. I love Kenny Moore. If I was to get a jersey for the Indianapolis Colts tomorrow, it'd probably be Kenny Moore. We love the story. We love the player, we love the person, and we love the production for our IDP rosters, Addy. Dog. You got that dog in him? Absolute dog. Um, I mean, we've seen it for three, four years now. I mean, just elite production from the from a from a slot corner and in, in, in Kenny Moore. And I mean he's he's getting better. He's not slowing down. Uh, I think that the the popular narrative probably would have been to fade this guy after the last couple years but i mean he's just proven that he is a playmaker and a good player and one of those guys that you just you shouldn't fade and because he's fun and he's he's uh he just makes the game you know more enjoyable and he's a cb yeah like what other better options do you have at cornerback besides kitty moore yep so here's the thing i i firmly believe he's going to get paid and sam at least in my mind when you see that long-term deal a player landing with a team for an extended period of time the team making that investment that is an arrow up situation for me in dynasty leagues seeing a player get rewarded with a big fat contract i mean i always like seeing players getting rewarded you know i like seeing these guys get paid so i hope he gets paid i'm a big fan of kenny moore as well i mean he's a exciting young player I, I just love corners that tackle well, that really th- throw themselves into plays. And he's defying odds. I mean, 
if you were to, if, if you were to say, hey, let's talk about this, uh, like, let's think of a, a corner that's been elite for four or five years now. I mean, four or five years is about the shelf life for good corner. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So he's really, he's on. I'm not saying he's on borrowed time. I think he's special. But but man, if you looked at if you look at the shelf life of corners uh, across the board. Well, I mean, I I'd love to have him, but I, I he I'd, could be. You're right, though. He could be. Is this someone you maybe think about selling? Maybe. I mean, he did. He is coming off his best year, you know, and he has put up some good years. But I mean, he's coming off his best year, 102 tackles from a corner. My philosophy is, if someone wants to come pay me a handsome price right. for a corner, where do you sell them for? And it, and it's different in a if it's if if it's a if, cornerback yeah league, if it's CB required I that, need a second I was gonna say a second round picks what came to mind so like a late second is fine I guess. yeah I think if I got a second I'm probably moving Kenny at On that point sleeper are you moving him for a third yeah for a third I would do that okay yeah it's like what's what's a what's a hundred tackles worth to you in a league and a hundred tackles at a position where you're not normally getting that kind of production. Um, that's where I think you see the one round bump. I think for me and asking price, yeah. if it is CB required, you got to pay more. I think I want a little more in sleeper still. You think so? Maybe, but you're, but you're, I'm a fanboy, So maybe you're right. How'd you yeah. come up with second? Like, how'd you, how, how do you think that's about just what, what you I mean, just gut. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to sell them for a third and a cornerback required. No, that's not enough right? because I mean, we know how it's, it's rare to find like, game changers or guys that are going to give you an advantage of that position. So like when you have a guy like a Kenny Moore, Jalen Ramsey, AJ Terrell, you like, I'm going to just going to hold them. It's same thing with like the same principle, like defensive tackle, right? They're just uh-huh. not a lot of elite options. So oh. if I have Kenny Moore, I'm not selling them less for, I'm not going to sell them for third. So I'm going to need a second to sell them. Of course, of course, if we're talking about like an RSO league where you've got him on a contract, I mean, if you just got one or two years I got left, him, man, right. just, I'd just let it ride. I've like, got three just, years with him and he's hardly anything. I'm not selling him for like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay up to get him off my team. Let's talk about Xavier McKinney, 93 total tackles, 75.4 overall grade on 97% of snaps played all 17 games. Y'all 10.9 points per game, but only 6.3 in his last five Addy, what can we expect to be the story of Xavier McKinney now with Julius Peppers out the door and only Logan Ryan out the door and only Julian Love standing alongside him? I feel like if I'm reading the tea leaves, that's why Xavier McKinney is sitting here at seven. Right, exactly. Like, I feel like, I mean, who's the best candidate to man that box role? I feel like he probably is. I know Julian Love is pretty versatile, but for the most part, he's been a guy that's played primarily deep. Um Xavier McKinney had experience kind of doing both. But, yeah, I mean, right, that Peppers, Logan Ryan, both box bangers, both gone. Uh, Xavier McKinney, even when he wasn't getting those box snaps, he was still very useful for us for, for IDP. Uh, I think what he finished in the top 12 based, you know, off of some, some monster weeks. Um, I, I like Xavier McKinney. I think the best is yet to come with him. Uh, and we could see him. I called it. I called for it last year that I thought that he was a guy that could c- kind of extend to like the Derwin. That uh, was Jamal one of your Adams. flag plants. I believe that was like a hot take for me, kind of. But I, I may have just been a year early on it. I mean, everything's really lining up for McKinney. This is year three. He's shown that he doesn't have a problem being a, a guy that can get tackles. So I, I like McKinney. Can he get the? Can he be a hunter tackle guy plus a playmaker and be elite? 
93 total tackles, five picks, a defensive touchdown, 10 pass breakups on 97% of snaps. 93, quiet, the quietest 93 yes. total tackles. I was going to say, at safety. Have we seen his ceiling? No. I think nope. there is another step or two up the ladder that Xavier McKinney can go. He can be a top five safety. I agree. I mean, he's knocking here on the door with the number, number seven ranking. Sam, are you. What's your temperature on Xavier McKinney? Are you about where Adam is that this guy has top five upside for 2022? Yeah, I think so. You know, I started paying attention to him last year when uh, I, th- I thought I was really smart by acquiring uh, Logan Ryan because he was categorized as a corner, and I knew he was going to play safety, and I thought, oh, this would be great. And as I watched him, I thought, man, this Xavier McKinney guy is just in the middle of everything. I mean... You know, I think he's a young guy. He kind of takes bad angles sometimes and gets twisted up, but he's young. He'll learn that stuff. The game will slow down for him. Just an excellent tackler. I just think he's a great big play IDP stud with a high floor, and I'm excited about him. I agree with Adam. Yeah, he had some nice big blow-up games for you last season. Looks like 26 points in Week 6. 37 points in week nine, 22 points in week 12. So a little bit boom bust. But I mean, like one of the highest ceilings of the state. Yes, truly. If I remember right, the usage in that rookie year was way different. Like last year, it flipped. He was primarily deep, but Mm -hmm. that rookie year, they did use him in the box. So he had, he does have some reps there. So, I mean, he can, I think he can do it. A guy that we've seen do it. The question is, can he continue to do it with those two tall trees in the middle of the Arizona Cardinals defense? Buda Baker sits here at number six, 98 total tackles, six TFLs, three INTs, two sacks, and a fumble recovery. That was like a Christmas song, y'all. That was beautiful. Graded okay across the board, right around the 60s in all the major PFF categories. 90, 95% of snaps across 17 games, 11.7 for the season, but 14.25 in his last five, Addy. This is a curious case. I feel like most rankers would probably have Buda Baker inside the top five, if not the top three. So what is it that bumps him just outside here to number six for you? Not much. Just there's some there's some talent in front of him. I mean, and, you know, I do think about that concussion a good amount. Oh, that big hit he took near the Against end Against Cam Akers. Oh, God. Where he got just laid out. Oh, I, I do think about that quite a bit. He, Buda Baker is a smaller safety. I do worry about that type of stuff with him. That was like the first time that something like that had happened with him. How long was he out? He was, I think he maybe only missed a week, if he, if even that. I mean, he, he was a... It was really ugly, wasn't it? He took it very well. I mean, he was, you know, he recovered fast. <laughs> that but. was the playoffs. That, was the, that was the wild. That was the opening round of the playoffs against the Rams. Yeah, yeah. He took it well, as well like, as you like, could. like he got insulted or something. Uh, but I mean, you know, the usage last year for Buddha was was uh, he played a lot more deep. I was gonna say the Jalen Thompson. I think the reason we saw that ascendance right. was because of the usage, right? Jalen Thompson was the guy playing more of the box. Snaps. Second most tackles for the safety position behind Minka. Right. So there's just there's a lot of talent there. I mean, with Isaiah Simmons, with Zayvon Collins, Jalen Thompson. I mean, I think we've seen the very best of Buda Baker. Buda Baker has quite a precipitous decline since his peak year in, I think, 2020, when he had, like, what, 140 total tackles or right. something crazy. Yeah. And it, and it kind of has gone from that big number, 140, to, like, say, 110, and down to 
90, whatever it was. I can't yep. remember, but like it's a quite a steep. And he'll have, and he'll have, he'll have these up and down years. Yeah. Now. That's just kind of. He basically scored about the same in 2019 and 2020, 221 points in both those seasons. We had down. a career high in interceptions this last year, though. And Didn't he had five picks. So oh. he, he had three picks last year, and he and, had two the year before. And and before that, he had zero for his first, like, three years. That's right. And, so, um, But he dropped down to 198, so you lost about, like, 23 points off his total uh, for the season. So Did he play 17 total games? So He, he played 17 total games. So he had an extra game. Yeah, he played. But his per-game per game, uh, numbers were probably a little down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you look at really what we're we're concerned the most with the per game. Well, and just I mean, Jalen Thompson there. Yeah, he's that, there, and that, he's not going anywhere. I was gonna say he's still there. You have the linebackers in front of him now, Zayvon Collins. And they talk uh, about him like he's a leader of the defense. I think they may let him call some plays potentially. Who? Zayvon? Jalen. Jalen. Oh, Jalen Thompson. Oh. Okay, yeah. I was like, who's gonna wear the green dot? That's there? what. That, and that's why because he's wow. as well. That's why is because they don't really feel like they have an established linebacker, you know. Wow. All right, let's move on to number five. Blitz boy, sits boy, hand injury boy, Jamal Adams. I think the the case to be made here is that he was the safety one for Dynasty not too long ago. Yes, he's coming off a down season. There's reason for optimism. I think the case was made very well on the latest Big Nickel episode by John Macri and Dynasty Trip as to why we could see a different type of deployment for Jamal Adams' new defensive coordinator. And the belief there is that they are going to build around this player that they've invested so much into, not just the two first-round picks, but also the big fat contract. So assuming health, we could see something more resembling Jamal Adams' glory days with the New York Jets, Addy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if if we're doing... If we're doing redraft, I think it should be Derwin James and then Jamal Adams. Wow. Yep. Got him as number two. Okay. Yep. So, um, I mean, just because, yeah, I mean, the the sack numbers were just – he's due for some positive regression. Bobby Wagner out the door now. Tons of vacated tackles there to be had. Like you mentioned, it seems like they're going to kind of use him as the centerpiece of that defense – Jordan Brooks, he did rack up a ton of tackles, but he's not very good. And they're going to be bad. They're going to be bad. That yep. team led the league, I think, in snaps last year on the defensive side. They have, yeah. That, they're typically very high in that category. That should once again probably be the same. It is funny because he played 12 games in 2024 Seattle and uh, had 220 points, only 141 points in the same amount of games in 2021. The difference? Nine and a half sacks in 2020, zero sacks in 2021. Yep. So, I mean, is he going to get nine and a half? No, but he should probably get three or four. Yeah, I was going to say, the two previous seasons, six and a half and three and a half. Yeah. So, I think it's reasonable to expect three to four sacks for Jamal Adams. And if this dude can ever stay healthy, I mean, you're looking at 100. 20 tackles. Which is funny because his first two seasons he didn't miss a game, but since then he's gone 14, 12, and 12. So the yeah. guy just it's been an issue lately. consistently and also misses games. Stuff like you mentioned with the hand. That's, that's. I don't know, man. There's just something doesn't smell right about that. So I'm a little bit worried. Yep. Same. That's not great. 
So, Sam, this next guy here at four, Antoine Winfield Jr., do you agree with Addy that we're looking at the guy who primarily plays deep over the guy we expect to play in the box? Would you flip these two, or do you like having Winfield at four? I like having Winfield at four. I think that's a great outlook. Here's what's awesome about Winfield. I read a story about how he was studying film with his Pro Bowl father. <laughs> you know what I mean? When when he was like, what? Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, the point is, I, I think this is a guy who it, you're going to see his football IQ kind of blossom faster than most other people. I like him. I like him. I mean, he's always well positioned. I saw a great comp to Rondé Barber for him. Like he's got a nose for the football. He's always in the right position. He graded so well across the board. Super high football IQ. I mean, I think he needs to be higher. I think he needs to be right where he is. Um, it's a great spot for him. I, I would probably put him higher than Jeremy Chin. Whoops, shouldn't have said that. No, well, but I mean, also, yet, now, but now I, I put him higher than Jeremy Chin. Now, now I'm thinking about it. You know, I mean, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, uh, I have him below him. So. Yeah, Winfield is he's awesome, man. I mean, the usage shit does not matter. Has been is he, is this his third year in the league? I think let me look up. I was going to look up his uh his log here to see what kind of log he was putting up, but yeah. So he's been in the league. He's going into his third season. Okay. And he it, put up 173 points and then 182 points. But he put up 182 points across 13 games last year. So the points per game were very nice, uh, averaging 14.1 and 16.32 in his last two, uh, last five games. And then you look at the log, the log is very nice. Yes. Um, a lot of double digit point games in there. Uh, looks like his worst output on the year was nine and a half. Here's, here's a good one right here for you for Antrim Winfield. So eight and a half. He had four games over 20 points. That was the most in the league. Four games over 20 fantasy points. He did that in 13 games. Yep. Whereas Kevin Byard was the other guy that he shared the four games over 20. It took 17 games for Byard. Yeah, I was going to say. So, I mean, best ball, you can make the case that he's Winfield is safety one. You can make that case. I mean, tw- yeah, 21.75, 20.75, another 20.75, and 23.1. So Pretty nice. That's very nice. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about a lot of players in this episode that are sort of an arrow down situation for Dynasty. Um, Antoine Winfield's two arrows up for me. Yeah, and you're right. No games under five points. Yep. Worst? Zero, and he had only five games under 10 points. Oh, yeah, here was the worst. It, he started off slow, so if you were, you know, rostered him, you may not have felt the best to start the season, but still, eight and a half, eight and a half, seven, and then he went 21, 14, 10, 20, 10, 20, 17, 10, 10, 23. Carried you. Really did. I mean, consistently excellent. Um, Probably the best safety second half of the season. I mean, and the grades are nice, so we're not worried about this guy getting benched. No, we know he's actually good. He's confirmed. Actually good, good NFL player. Yes. And like, he's going to be playing against offenses that are getting their butt whooped and are going to be putting the ball in the air a lot. Yep. Yeah, Dude's a legend. I mean, think about this guy. Like, how many more iconic moments than the, than the uh, P. 
peace sign back to Tyreek Hill. <laughs> is, that the, is that the real reason that he's sitting here at four? I mean, that doesn't hurt him. I was going to say, it only helps, right? We love dudes with swag. If he adds a visor, my God. But, yeah, you're also right, though, Sam, about, I mean, his daddy, dude, he was a baller. That ain't that. That also ain't hurting. I yeah. think. I think he. I think he's one of those guys that has all. He has a lot of physical assets, but it's those intangibles that he has. Yes. He's highly instinctive, super high football IQ. I think you're going to see him peak and stay there fast. I think this is the year. And all those types that were like all those free safety types: Javon Holland, uh, Xavier McKinney. Who else was another one? We had Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka, all yeah. those same guys have that those intangibles, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. that's what you can't miss. If you're just straight, you know, just looking at who's playing the most box, you're gonna miss these special players. Jeremy Chin, do we think, Addy, the the each of these players has a sheet of ice under their feet, and I worry about how. Some of these guys are on thin ice. Jeremy Chen is one of those guys. Jeremy Chen is this high because, like I've mentioned in the past, you do have to factor in the community perception of it. Like if you look at any trade calculator, they are they are mainly based off ADP. Why? Because that is the market. So Jeremy Chen is going to be high because he is viewed highly in the IDP community. I mean, you, any draft you do, he's basically going to be the second safety off the board. But this guy is just—he doesn't really do much outside of tackles. Like ten point nine no, points per game. Ten point nine in his last five. Ninety-nine percent of snaps. So this wasn't a. He got one hundred and seven tackles. That's yeah. great. We all. Oh yeah, we love that. But like, it's every. You know, he has yet to be a guy that that's giving us sacks, interceptions, just the stuff we need. To make a real difference week to week. Sam, I think if our expectation of Jeremy Chin was closer in line with a Justin Simmons or a Jesse Bates of like, this dude is just a reliable back-end safety one, top-tier safety two, we wouldn't be having this kind of negative reaction. But because he is being propped up, as like Adam said, maybe the second safety off the board in Dynasty Leagues, we have to necessarily point out Hey guys, there's a lot of sizzle here for not a lot of steak. Yeah, I mean, I I, <clears throat> I think that the Justin Simmons thing, the comp is a is a really good one. I mean, I would way rather have Justin Simmons at his price than mm-hmm. than Jeremy Chen at exactly. His. And I really don't have any more thoughts than that. I, I mean, eleven like, points like per you, game. Yeah, like you said, Adam, he's just kind of underwhelming at this point. I mean, he he did have that one. Was it two years ago? He really, really shot out, made it, you know, made it. He a, had a few monster weeks, even that yeah. first year, but still, it wasn't like this guy's just really hyped up. Yeah. For whatever reason. Like, I mean, he hasn't done enough to really hype him up. To, and also, they got Xavier Woods in there now. Right. What's that going to look And that dude just put up 100 tackles, right? What's that going to look like there? They also brought in Corey Littleton. I mean, there's, there's better people. What do you think Corey Littleton does there? You think he has a redemption story? I mean, he yeah, he's a he would be one of the candidates, yeah. If you're looking for that type of player, <laughs> you know, if you're into that sort if of. If you're thing. into that stuff, yeah. I was okay. just I was looking to see how many games over 20 points, which I get is an arbitrary number, but Chen's only done it three times so far in two years. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, I'm not paying. I'm not paying that. I will have no Jeremy Chen anywhere. Yeah, this just seems like a. As, and this is why we're talking about in the dynasty context is because 
we're kind of holding our breath. It's the Chase Young equivalent of like we're holding out hope this guy can reach another level. And maybe he does, but boy, you're paying sticker price right now for something that doesn't quite match the actual value you're getting back. Yeah. And maybe you're holding a lottery ticket that accrues in value and two years from now that's going to look like a bargain because he's the best safety in football, averaging yeah. 15, 16 points a game or something stupid. That's totally in his range of outcomes. But I'm with you. pay for that. I was going to say, I'm not really comfortable paying that right now. It's not that we think Jeremy Chin's a bad player, that he's a bad IDP. I would just rather go attack a different position. Exactly. Nothing against Jeremy Chin. I do like him fine, but... I'm happy think, to see you draft him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just wanted to pull it up. I like seeing, like, when a player is scoring a certain number of points. I mean, we mentioned that A.J. Terrell scored the same number of points as Jeremy Chin last year. Right? So that kind of context, I think, is helpful. I also like to look and see where did the player actually go. So we're doing these IDP best balls, which I think is a nice, pure distillation of what the market thinks of players because you can't hide behind the fade, you know, fade this player because I'm going after offense, right? So here was where Jeremy Chen went. He went at the 208 in best ball number six. After him, Fred Warner, Trey Hendrickson, Logan Wilson, Montez Sweat, Eric Kendricks, Devondre Campbell, Aiden Hutchinson, Marcus Davenport, C.J. Mosley, Blake Martinez. I could go on and on. The point is, like you said, I'm going to attack another position besides going after Jeremy Chin there. The best thing I could say, the best comp I can come up with is it's the Chase Young equivalent. We're holding our breath. We're waiting. We're expecting that next level. But we just haven't seen it. And the hype is far outstripping the production. And Shin has far exceeded what Chase Young has done, equivalent yeah. for positional you know, scoring and, and value there. But he's got to do more, though. If I know. You're, if you're a safety, you got to do more, you man. you got to do more than basically averaging about 10.9 points yeah. per game. Nope. Now, we'll say probably your hottest, your hottest take, I think, on this list. I, w- I would put Justin Reed up there. Yeah. But Kyle Hamilton at number two. Overall, Addy, the haters are going to be mad online. Explain why Kyle Hamilton is number two on your dynasty DB list. Well, I mean, not every day that a safety gets drafted in the top 15. This was the 14th overall pick in the draft. We've heard plenty of talk about this guy is going to be used like Derwin James. Uh, He landed in the Baltimore Ravens defense, a, a a team that historically seems to know what to do with good football players. Safeties in, in particular. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so I I think that you can expect. I mean, Kyle Hamilton, his, he's what? He's like a, he's a second round. He's like already a kind of like a mid second round pick in rookie drafts this year. Yes. Right. I mean. When at the um, 202 in our rookie draft. I don't hate it, you know. Who do you want? Do you want Xavier McKinney or Kyle Hamilton? Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. Because I think he's as close to the perfect safety prospect as we've seen in a long time. Yeah. Seen since Derwin, right? There's a reason we're seeing these Derwin comps, and there's a reason we're seeing him. He was the most talented player in the draft. That's right. most people said. Most 
players or most draft analysts, if you looked at their big board, which is how they rank players, not necessarily a mock draft, but how they rank them, I guarantee you his average ranking across all of these big boards was the highest of any player in the entire 2022 NFL draft. Yep. So that to me, I love Xavier McKinney's upside this year. But you're telling me I can get the guy at the start of what could be a transcendent type of career, NFL and IDP-wise? Not worried about Chuck Clark. Yep. Nope. Uh, You know why? As Tripp said in the article we just put out today, go check it out, theidpshow.com. I am of the same mind that teams tell us what they want to be with their most important resource, which is their money. What did the Ravens go and do with an established veteran, Chuck Clark, on the roster? They went and spent a 14th overall pick on Kyle Hamilton. Regarded as the best player in the draft, this is an amazing franchise. Sam, the exact opposite of where the Houston Texans are. This is not a flaming dumpster fire. This is a great spot for him to sit and develop. And so what? So what if he loses snap share to Chuck Clark in 2022. Guess whose team and position this is going to be moving forward. It's going to be Kyle Hamilton's team. I have no problem taking him early second round. Hell, even top end of the first round in your rookie drafts because I think you may have the overall number one player at their position as soon as next season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he he had no peer in this year's draft. He was he was far and beyond the best at his position compared to the next available. He's so huge. He's like six four or something, right? That that's that's big it's linebacker size, right? And also, oh, yeah. what is what does Baltimore lack? Linebackers. Hmm. It's a nice little oh, fit there. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. six yeah, foot yeah. four, two hundred and twenty pounds. He's essentially a linebacker playing safety. That's pretty good. Yeah. Right. 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 Sure. I got a really good brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's late, folks, in case you can't tell. Uh, but <laughs> the only player ranked ahead of Kyle Hamilton, though, Addy, number one, we Los Angeles Chargers. We don't even got to spend time on it. It's Derwin it's James. James. It's King Derwin. We love seeing. I just want to take a moment to reflect on where we were this time last year. We were saying, please put Derwin James in like bubble wrap, keep him safe, let him get through a full season. We saw 94% of snaps across 15 games played and a 14.6 point per game average. King Derwin has reclaimed the throne. He is the king of the DBs. And that's what we said. We just said he just had to stay healthy. And he did. And that's, that's what he did. Yep. So. Sorry to the haters. Still not a player that I want to take at cost, though. No, no, of course not. You got to spend like a second round pick on this guy. Nope, we're not doing it. I was going to say, Sam, you went Derwin James second round of IDP best ball number six. You also went Aaron Donald. To me, it seemed like you were just trying to stack the kings of defensive tackle and safety with your first two selections. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where you were nice enough to invite me into that league. It was my first my, it was my first best ball league at all. And it's one of the, I mean, I'm not in a ton of IDP leagues. I'm in a few, but 
most of those are dynasty, right? Or all of them are dynasty. They're not. Uh, they're not. Um, yeah, redraft season long. It's a different thing. So the huge learning curve there. I will say it only took about four or five rounds later for me to realize how much of a jackass I was for taking Derwin James there. Nothing against Derwin. He's the best in the game right now. There's no, you know, there's. It's so true though, man. When you're like in round six and you're like, oh, Jordan uh, Boyer's there. Andrew what am I doing still here? What's what going doing? on? Why did I do that? I could yeah. have had. Uh, you know, whatever. An elite linebacker. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, um, why is that? Why Why is it, I guess, just the supply and demand of it, but how, how come How come it works out that way? Why is there such a, a overflow of, of safeties? I think, I think it has less to do with how the dynamics of where the safeties fall in terms of upper tier, middle tier, lower tier, and more about what we're seeing with linebackers. Mm -hmm. That to me is, I think the biggest factor influencing what's going on here. And the narrative, the narrative has always been, you got to load up on these edge guys. So that narrative's still there. It's still there. And then we have this new thing of, Oh, there's less three down linebackers. That's right. You have to grab the linebackers early and often to the point where, even if this sort of edge rusher early and often mentality is still there, well, now it's just morphed into, okay, linebacker first, then edge rusher. So then safety is getting pushed further and further down the board to the point where even if a Derwin James or Jeremy Chin goes off the board in the second round, you get into the fifth and sixth round, and because it's been – you know, 58 of 60 linebackers and DLs that have been taken, you do have the third best safety available in the sixth round to take. So I think there's part of it where there's still probably a bad pick. It's still probably a bad pick to take like Antron Winfield there, though. You, it is. You probably still should go Chandler yes. Jones or Khalil Mack right there. Exactly. Yes. And I think there's also something to be said about there's a bigger, fatter middle class of safety now, whereas... I mean, there's probably, in my mind, there's this tier of like Derwin James and Kyle Hamilton. Then there's sort of this Jamal Adams, Jeremy Chin, Buda Baker, Xavier McKinney tier, like in the kind of second class. Yeah. And then there's just sort of like a blah, like a big fat 30 person kind of safety middle class where I'm like, yeah, I'll take any of these guys. Yeah, they're right? all the same. Right? They're all in that uh, kind of 8 to 12 point average none window. None of them get sacks. No. Like, really, like, like that's the difference, I think. Like, those first, like, set, like, you know, seven or eight safeties, they all get big plays. Some of them get picks, some of them get sacks. Yeah, that's here's really the difference. Here's here's a here's an image I've got in my head of that of that best ball league. Was it took until about the tenth round? And then what do you see when you're queued up for your pick? Well, if you sort it by ADP, the first thirty of them yes. are defensive backs. And then you finally find some scrub that 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 fits into the slot union. It's like, well, I got Derwin James, great. But I mean, you know, Dynasty League, it's, there's there's no question about it. Derwin, um, you know, maybe Kyle Hamilton blows up and becomes what we all think he can be. But man, right now, Derwin James is the is is the man. Yeah. It's gonna be tough to knock Derwin off that mountain, and that we think he gets a new contract. That defense is gonna be so much fun. That team's gonna be sick, man. That division, God, football is gonna be so good this year. Football, boys. AFC West, give me all that. Yep. Yes, please. Every single game. Are the char- are Chargers number one D? Um, That's a great question. They've done a lot, haven't they? Because I mean, you know, like just like any other position, you want to pick the 
You want to pick the people on the rise rather than the ones that are, you know, used to be the number one, like the Bills. You know, the, well, yeah, and, and, and the and Bills, they're still good. Technically, they're, they're still were good. number one the, last the, season. The Chargers probably made the most impressive moves. J.C. Right? Jackson, Lil Mac. I mean, uh, so that, Joseph, yeah, Joseph Day. Uh, they also brought in uh, Austin Johnson. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, they. I mean, um, remember, Asante healthy, Samuel's another, mm-hmm. uh, you know, second year coming they, in for him. Kyle Van Noy brought him Kyle in Van as well. I mean, he's a heady player. Yeah, I mean, I just think that Derwin's team healthy. Yeah, you know I'm healthy. Like, where where are the weak spots on that team? I guess you could say linebacker, right? With Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray. Uh, Troy Reader there now. Get you a reader. So not the best linebackers, but but who cares? You can God, just that team that is stuff. stacked. Doesn't matter. That is a stacked team. Should be a lot of fun. Khalil oh. Mack still got juice. I can't wait to see what he does. Yes, yes sir. If he can stay healthy, he, he's kind of a janky guy nowadays. A lot of those older edge rushers all got big fat deals though in free agency. Man, I love those 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 edge rushers this year like that. Like those fifth to sixth round picks, like the Khalil Max, Chandler Jones, Von Miller's yum. That little three pack right there is very nice. So good. So great. Sam comes in and we just get to gabbing Whoa, like a dude, bunch of whoa. chatty cats. Yes, Yo, we love each other's company. So it's midnight. I'm incredibly jet lagged, and now I have to go edit this episode. So we are going to got a massive I got, headache. I got a yeah. good brain. Yeah, got a real good brain. Real good brain. <laughs> Eddie, give a shout out here. I should have mentioned this. This is bad hosting by me. Uh, at the, either the ad break or the top of the show. We got some new music on yeah. the pod tonight. Shout us out our new uh, musical artist that you've uncovered for us. Our boy, Trap Steve. Trap Steve has some bangers, y'all. Yeah, he's a hip-hop artist from this area. I think he mainly is from Louisville. I was going to say now. Louisville, right? Yeah, but I mean, he lived here in BG for a little bit. Guy's just good. Guy's really good, and he's constantly trying, you know, changing things up with, with each new album. But, yeah, this, you know, young kid that uh, you, you never know. Could be the next Jack Harlow. Could be big time. The songs we're sampling tonight, Bonnie and Clyde and West Coast Dreaming. So go check him out on Spotify before he becomes the next Jack Harlow. He's a good kid. That Trap Steve, good kid. We do love Trap Steve around here, Sam. Hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. We are very excited for next week. John Macri will be back in the feed with the big nickel, bringing on Justin Varnes from Fantasy Points to talk about best values in your IDP draft. So it's good to be back, fellas. Thanks for having me back. It was a great time. Sam, thanks for coming in, man. Always good to have you in the Shack, And uh, we'll do it again here soon. All right. All right. Well, until next week, y'all take care. We'll talk to you soon. Let me take you away. Away, away, away. We can take a trip to anywhere you want to go. Tell me what you need. Yeah, everything in this moment. Like a high key. Yeah, we gon' going to keep it on the low. Yeah, we can keep it on the low. keep it on the low. I'm too high for that. When I'd rather be alone, just writing raps. Because everyone fake, but I'm used to that. They done broke my heart and stabbed my back. Ain't no looking back. I done packed my bags. I ain't tell no one. They won't miss me till I'm gone. Done turned off my phone and threw it in a pond. Because nothing feels right when.